fire rescue, EMS, law enforcement. These are the three components of public safety, and those who answer the call are the first responders. Welcome to another episode of Five Alarm Task Force with your host, Steve Green. Five Alarm Task Force presents some of the best instructors, leaders, and mentors in public safety today to educate, elucidate, and entertain. No topic is out of bounds, and every opinion has value. Five Alarm Task Force is brought to you by Insight Fire Training, LLC, your best bet for fire service thermal imaging camera training, and by the Firehouse Tribune, where you can expand your horizons in emergency services and learn to work hard, stay safe, and live inspired. And our promotional partners, Dalmatian Productions, Chief Miller Products and Sites, LifeScan Wellness Centers, Saving the Lives of America's Heroes, Nesta Bars, the amazing new hand tool for the fire service, the Firefighter Cancer Foundation, fighting to extinguish firefighter cancer since 2004, the Firefighter Cancer Support Network, and the 2019 Great Florida Fire School. Remember, our ultimate goal is for you to be safe and return home after every call. So insert those earphones or turn up those speakers. The Five Alarm Task Force is being dispatched right now. Hello and welcome to another episode of Five Alarm Task Force. I'm your host, Steve Green. It's a pleasure to have you join us once again. If you are a regular listener, we always welcome you back. If you're a new listener, we welcome you with open arms. Hope you'll enjoy what you hear. And if you do enjoy the podcast, you can always catch up and do a little binge listening by going to our website at www.dalmatianproductions.tv. Just click on the podcast word right above at the top of the page and it'll take you to our library where you can listen to all of our podcasts. My guest today is going to be uh, re- recently retired Chief Sean Oak of the Albemarle, North Carolina Fire Department. And I'll tell you a little bit more about him in just a couple of moments. While you're on our website, we hope you'll visit that homepage and you will sign up for our newsletter right there on the homepage. Uh, you, all you have to do is enter your email. We do not send spam. We do not give away or sell your email. Uh, should you want to unsubscribe, it's very easy. A single email will do it. And we send out our newsletter about five or six times a year. I'm working on one right now as we speak. And uh, that's all you receive from us. And if you follow us on Facebook, you can find us at forward slash Prod or forward slash Fire. We love to see all the likes that we're getting and all the people who are following us. I have been trying to do my best to get there more frequently than I did in the last season. But we do appreciate every single one of you, even if I don't get an opportunity to message you back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because it's for you that I do this podcast. Those of you who listen from the fire service, whether you're in the United States or you're in Canada or Central or South America or Europe or Asia, because thankfully we have listeners across 40 countries in six of the seven continents. And we are just so pleased that you've selected Five Alarm Task Force, whether it's once or every podcast, but you came to us to listen to that podcast. Very important to us. Also, your podcast platforms. There are a bunch of them out there, aren't they? And we are on all the popular ones. But what is important is that most of those platforms allow you to leave a review. And the review really has two purposes. 
Number one, it's to let us, the producer, know what you think of the podcast. Are we meeting your expectations? And please don't be concerned about leaving constructive criticism. If we're not meeting your expectations, you need to let us know so we can improve. We want to learn from you and make the show better for you. Additionally, they'll ask you to leave a review like with four or five stars, something like that. Now, those reviews are very, very important, not only just for us so we can say, oh, we're up there very nicely, but it makes it easier for people to find us when they're looking for us because those platforms base their search engines using the criteria of the reviews. So the more people who give us positive reviews and four or five stars, the easier it is for new people looking for us to find us on those platforms. So we hope that you'll leave us a good review. And if you do want to send something personal, you don't want to put it on the review, you want to send it to us, feel free to drop me an email at dalmatprod.outlook.com. I will read it and I will. Pro- I promise you, I will get back to you after reading your email and reading what you have to say. So that will occur. Also, if you love the podcast as much as I do, oh, that's right, it's mine, I have to love it. But if you do enjoy the podcast and you want to share that joy with others and help a wonderful charity at the same time, you could visit our little store with our friends from Teespring. It's at capital B, bit.ly forward slash Dalmat store with a capital D as in David and capital S as in Sam on the two words after the slash. And there you'll find several diversions of our T-shirt we have with different Uh, messages on the back of the t-shirt and we have a couple of mugs available there you can choose your color of the t-shirt and choose your color of the mugs what's important is not only do you get to share a piece of the show by purchasing one of these souvenirs but a substantial amount of the net proceeds of the sales of these products and what i've been doing all along from my book that came out in 2016 called fish out of water to Jewish firefighters in a deep south firehouse. And the uh, monies collected from both of those, uh, as I said, most of the the, uh, profits have been donated and are being donated to the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation, one of the premier charities for the fire service. And what's important about what they do, folks, is that when a firefighter makes the ultimate sacrifice and pays with his life or her life, the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation comes in with an invitation, of course, first, and then they do whatever they can to assist the family, the surviving members of the family. If there are kids involved, they have programs for the children. They have summer camps. They have camps during the year. They really try to bring back some sense of normalcy to the families who have lost the firefighter. And in my heart, there's no better charity that I could turn to for what we do than the NFFF. Okay, now let me tell you a little bit about our guest. Chief Sean Oak is a third generation firefighter who began his fire service career in 1983 at the age of 14 as a junior firefighter in Union County, North Carolina. At the age of 18, he became a firefighter with the Sandy Ridge Volunteer Fire Department in Union County. He was hired by the Albemarle Fire Department in 1989 as a member of the Albemarle Fire Department's first and only recruit class. In 1992, Chief Oak was promoted to Firefighter 3 
slash engineer, a position he held until being promoted to captain in 1999. Chief Oak was promoted to battalion chief in 2004 and to fire chief on November 29, 2009. He retired from the city of Albemarle on June 1, 2019. And I was privileged to be able to be a guest and meet him personally uh, just a couple of weeks after that. During his career with the Albemarle Fire Department, Chief Oak earned an associate's degree in applied science with a major in fire protection technology from Central Piedmont Community College and a Bachelor of Science in Engineering Technology, magna cum laude, with a major in fire safety engineering technology from the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. He graduated from the North Carolina Association of Fire Chiefs Executive Development Program in 2010 and the National Fire Academy's Executive Fire Officer Program in 2013. In addition to his career at the Albemarle Fire Department, Chief Oak served as an at-large director for the International Association of Fire Chiefs Safety, Health, and Survival Section for six years. Chief Oak is the co-founder of Kill the Flashover, a group of fire service professionals working together to research more effective and safer tactics for the service. His specialty within Kill the Flashover is enhanced water streams and foam. He has taught Class A foam operations throughout the United States at various departments and national conferences. In addition to his fire service career, he has owned the Albemarle Sweet Shop, a full-service bakery located in Albemarle since 2000. Since he retired from the department in June, he has assumed the day-to-day responsibilities of running the nearly 100-year-old bakery. And let me tell you, folks, I was able to be at that bakery and meet the chief there, and I cannot tell you how delicious the foods that he makes and prepares there, he and his staff, at that bakery. You look at from the outside, just a little, looks like a little place. It's an amazing bakery. One of the most extensive privately owned bakeries that I've ever seen and visited. And I've tried to make a business of visiting quite a few, especially in the greater Boston area. So I'm going to throw this in thanks to the chief. If you go to the bakery in Albemarle, North Carolina, the Sweet Shop, Albemarle Sweet Shop, and you say that you've heard about the Sweet Shop on this podcast, then tell the chief that you've heard about it on the podcast, and he'll have a little surprise for you before you leave. Okay? So again, go to visit the Albemarle Sweet Shop in Albemarle, North Carolina, just about an hour from Greensboro. Very easy trip. We made it back to Greensboro from there, probably within 40 minutes or so, 45 minutes. And Mention Five Alarm Task Force to Chief Oak, and he'll have a surprise waiting for you. The chief has been married 25 years to his very understanding wife, Laura. Their oldest son, Andrew, is an engineer with the City of Concord Fire Department, and and their youngest son, William, is pursuing his fire service degrees as a full-time student and volunteers at Southside Volunteer Fire Department outside Abermile. If you are a NASCAR follower, as I am, you know how important the city of Concord, New, uh, North Carolina is. So we'll be back with my guest, Chief Sean Oak, right after these words. Please stay tuned. New technology for the fire service seems to appear almost every day. And that technology demands a learning curve, especially if we're talking about thermal imaging cameras. That's where Insight Fire Training LLC is your best bet. With an excellent reputation across the U.S., Insight Fire Training will meet all your TIC training needs. Their curriculum is peer-reviewed and has been used internationally. Their instructors are Level 1 Thermography Certified 
and they have taught in 33 states and four countries. Their courses run from introductory to training the trainers. Courses are available online, for the classroom, classroom hybrid, and even live fire. Insight Training LLC is proficient in over 40 thermal imaging cameras, so you feel confident they will know your make and model. Best of all, programs are customized to your specific needs and their cadre of fire service veterans are vetted craftsmen of Project Kill the Flashover. They are so proficient that they have trained tick manufacturers on how to best use and sell their own product. That's Insight Fire Training, LLC. Look them up on InsightTrainingLLC.com. Your best bet for tick training. Would you like to meet up with Andy and the team from Insight Training? Well, 2019 will be the year to do it. Here's some of their upcoming schedule. September 17th, online webinar, Hoarding Firefighter Tactics, with special guest, Lieutenant Ryan Pennington. Check Facebook for details. September 25th, New York State Professional Firefighters Help, Syracuse, New York. September 27th, the ISFSI Conference, achieving buy-in with thermal imaging camera. October 6th to 12th, Fire House Expo, Nashville, Tennessee. Two hot classes on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday by instructor Andy Starnes and instructor Thomas Anderson. October 24th, Insight Training Webinar Series continues online. October 28th to 31st, Train the Trainer with the Charleston, West Virginia Fire Department. And November 5th, Classroom Hybrid, eight hours of tactical thermal imaging training, Lansing, Michigan. Be sure to check their Facebook page for more details. Insight Training, LLC. Your best bet for tick training. The Firehouse Tribune, where inspiration was forged by those who came before us, opening the doors for us to build a path, a path to share our mission with the rest of the emergency service world. With a small, tight-knit team of first responders dedicated to sharing experiences and knowledge, we constantly strive to provide our followers with thought-provoking content from all aspects of emergency services and life. Our contributors speak at top fire and EMS conferences in the country. They have been guests on numerous fire service podcasts and will even come and speak at your firehouse or event. Interested? Visit their website, www.thefirehousetribune.com and find them on Facebook using The Firehouse Tribune and on Twitter at FH Tribune and on Instagram, FH Tribune. We live by one motto, not just in emergency services, but in life as well. Excellence is a habit, not a goal. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Until next time, work hard, stay safe, and live inspired. Welcome to Chief Miller. Chief Miller operates the largest social media page dedicated to the men and women of the fire service from around the world. Check him out on Instagram at Chief underscore Miller. Find him on Twitter at Chief underscore Miller. And check out the website where you can find Chief Miller Apparel at chiefmillerapparel.com. And welcome back to this episode of Five Alum Task Force. And I'm so happy to have my guest today. We had uh, actually connected on social media a little over a year ago in a national bakery contest. And he was soliciting votes and seemed a nice thing to do. He's from outside of Greensboro, North Carolina, where I learned to become a volunteer firefighter there not too far and he was a chief 
of his department, Albemarle, North Carolina Fire Department. So I helped vote for the, um, as they used to say in Chicago, vote today, vote often. I voted as much as I can, and we kind of connected over there. And he said, if you ever come up this way, stop by. Well, my wife and I, this past summer, during our hiatus, we drove up. We met Chief Sean Oak at his bakery, the Albemarle Sweet Shop. And I can't tell you what an experience it was. First, the warm welcome, Chief, that you gave my wife and myself, and the generosity that you showed us. Uh, but to sh- bring me back in the back and to show me your baking processes and the mixing and everything was going on was amazing. But I also learned, as the chief and I got to know each other, just what a great chief he was and a specialty that he has that he's taught uh, both nationally and, and regionally and locally is on Class A foam. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Some of you, when you hear foam, you probably automatically think of the old TV shows with all that high expansion foam putting on runways, or you've seen AFFF. And of course, we've heard as of late, of course, that AFFF probably contains PFAS and PFOS carcinogenic and toxic molecules that can be transmitted to us as we wear a bunker gear. And, and so the P, the AFFF carries that. So anytime we were in touch with, in contact with that, could have been bad for us. Class A foam was totally different, folks. And that's why I felt it was important when Chief Oak said that he could give a great explanation on it. He's presented on it to bring him to the show. So, Chief, it is my pleasure to bring you to the show. And thank you for making time out of, I know, a very busy schedule at the bakery to join us. And uh, looking forward to learning from you now about Class A foam. So take it away, if you will, please. Well, thanks, Steve. It's uh, truly a pleasure to uh, to be here, and uh, I greatly appreciate your kind words. And I'll, I'll extend an invitation out to any of your listeners if they're ever in in my area to to stop by the bakery and uh, ask for me if I'm in the back working. I'll be glad to come out and show them the same hospitality that I showed you. Thank uh, you. Honestly, that's one of the great great things I love about the bakery is getting to uh, to share great food and, and swap a few stories with customers that come in. So, uh, so again, thank you. My pleasure. Well, uh, the, time, the, the time we're going to take today, I just want to kind of to talk about some aspects of foam. Um, we're going to talk about the basics of class A foam and wedding agents. Um, I'm going to try to give you guys some information that'll help you in terms of concentrates and, and become more knowledgeable uh, in what concentrates are and, and what they do. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about some purchasing information and what you need to know to be able to make informed purchasing decisions. I'll tell you the, the one thing that just drives me crazy is seeing how ill-informed the fire service is when it comes to phones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and the 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 lack of education leads most fire chiefs and and firefighters to fall back on salespeople to guide their decision making. And uh, honestly, that's the worst thing in the world we can do because we all know what salespeople are out to do. They're out to sell their product. Right. Uh, so I'm going to, I'll try to give you guys some information that'll, that'll help you um, make smarter purchasing decisions so that when, uh, when you are face to face with that salesperson, you can uh, throw the BS flag at them when they start, uh, <laughs> start sending you down the road. You don't want to go down. Right. <laughs> Um, and then we'll talk, we'll, we'll talk about, um, why phones better. Um, and, and it's a better way to do the job. And that's, you know, I, I hear so often, um, both of my boys, uh, are involved in the job and, you know, they get to talking about foam where, where they work and their volunteer department. And, and it just, 
is kind of discouraging at how people on the job don't understand what it can do for you. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that as we go along. Okay. So, um, so the first thing I want to, I always start my classes with just going over some, some terms um, because it's important and it, it, we all get on the same page and we all know what we're talking about. Um, and as, as we go through here, one of the terms you'll hear me use pretty regularly is an enhanced water stream uh, or EWS. Uh, and that's a, a phrase that we coined through Kill the Flashover to basically identify any type of firefighting stream that has water and some type of concentrate in it. Um, you know, in, in our work through KTF, we've really focused on additives and, and ways to do the job better um, and, and ways to make our water more efficient. So we, we coined the phrase enhanced water stream or EWS to kind of encompass everything because uh, we found that a lot of people use the term foam, which is probably not the most accurate term to use. Uh, and we'll talk in a minute as to why that's not um, an accurate term sometimes to use and, and how we misplace that word. Uh, so when, when we start talking about foam, there, there's three different components that make up foam in terms of what most firefighters uh, think of foam. Uh, the first thing is you have to have a concentrate. Uh, and the concentrate is, as most of us uh, have experienced through the years, the five-gallon buckets that are put somewhere where they're extremely hard to get to and more than likely dry rotting because they're sitting out in the sun up on the, the top of the trucks that you rarely ever touch. Um, that material uh, is actually what creates foam, but that's not foam. It's concentrate. Um, we typically in the fire service deal with four different types of concentrates. Um, I would say the two that, that most of us are most common with are AFFF, which is aqueous film forming foam, uh, or aqueous film forming foam alcohol resistant, or AFFF AR. Um, most departments now are carrying AFFF AR, uh, and that is, uh, you know, an, an AFFF that can be used with alcohols, whereas a regular AFFF, you can only use it on a, a regular Class B hydrocarbon. Uh, Class A concentrate uh, it really started becoming a, a lot more popular, I would say, in the 90s. Uh, really gained a lot of traction since 2000. Um, one of the, the concentrates that really has gained traction in the 2000s, and, and I think the fire service is really missing out on, is wedding agents. Um, and for some reason in the fire service, wedding agents have gotten such a misnomer and just taken on such a bad thing. When people mention a wedding agent, they just seem to cringe. Um, but if you really dig into it, the wedding agents are what we should be using, in my opinion, um, because they have a, a much tougher NFPA standard. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a few minutes. Um, but they also can be utilized on Class A and Class B fires. Um, and that's what our department utilized, um, you know, through my executive fire officer research, I, I determined the best wedding agent that was out there. And, and of course, that's the one that we were using. Um, but it allowed us to carry one concentrate on the truck to, to be able to mitigate Class A and Class B fires. And the product was tested through NFPA, um, you know, and provided us with data that showed that it was more efficient. Um, use it at lower percentages. And again, we'll talk a little bit about that um, as we go through. But, you know, don't lose sight on what wedding agents can do for you. Um, so as, as we go through and talk today, I'm, I'm primarily going to focus on those wedding agents just because that's where most of my research and use has been, um, because I feel like that's where the majority of departments need to be focusing their efforts. Mm -hmm. 
So the next thing, when we, when we add concentrate uh, to water, we have what we call a foam solution. Um, so if you take a, a, a jar and you put some water in it and you put some foam concentrate in it, you're going to have a foam solution. When we agitate it and, and introduce air into it, that's actually when we have finished foam. Uh, and again, the fire service um, pretty much calls everything foam. So if you ask that guy, what's the, what are those buckets up on top of the truck? He's going to say foam. Well, in fact, it's not. It's concentrate. Um, so once once we have air, water, and concentrate together, then we actually have finished foam. Uh, so in in terms of our conversation here today, we'll either you we'll use foam uh, in the aspect of finished foam, and we'll call concentrates concentrates. Um, just so, again, we are all on the same page, so when you hear me use the term, you'll know what I'm talking about. Chief, let me ask you this question. A number of years ago, a couple of firefighters, I guess out in the West, uh, I think it was in the Arizona, New Mexico area, came up with a wedding agent that was made from used baby diapers. Do you remember that? And it was going to be sprayed on homes prior when there was a danger of a uh, wildfire and uh, guaranteed that it would protect the structure i'm not they never quite gave up the information where they got those baby used baby diapers from and how they were transposed from what they were to what these gentlemen were trying to use it for but is there is it can an applied foam like say class a foam can that be a fire break in a situation like that or is it basically you? We need to use it to actually quench quench a fire rather than try to protect the structure because it may not have the the adhesive quantities to stay on on the structure once you spray it on there. So, so we'll get a little deeper into answering your question, but in in a nutshell, yes, you can use it for both. Okay. Um, basically, and and the the next term we were actually going to talk talk about kind of segues into that in that that your foam concentrates are going to contain what they call surfactants. Mm -hmm. And the surfactant is, is actually the active ingredient in the concentrate that allows the, the surface tension to change of the water and allow it to penetrate solids. So what you were saying that the, the, the diaper and, and I remember reading a little bit about it, that basically what they were doing was using the technology that a diaper has to absorb and hold water to be able to put that material on a fuel so that when the fire is applied or the heat's applied to that fuel, the water is actually there to absorb the, the heat energy rather than the fuel doing it. Uh, okay, so basically that's what's happening when you're using a wetting agent um, or a class A concentrate with good surfactants is that it's going to allow those fuels to absorb the water, hold the water, and as we all know, I, I use the, the analogy all the time of dry firewood versus green firewood. If we go out here and we cut a tree down and we split it and we throw it in our fireplace, how well is it going to burn? It's, it's not. It's right. until, until we apply enough heat to that wood to be able to evaporate the water that's contained in the wood, the wood won't burn. Sure. So, so on the flip side of that, if we go get dry firewood that we've let sit out, let the water evaporate, it'll burn rapidly because that water is not there to absorb the heat energy. Mm -hmm. So now think about all the fuels in your house. Just, just look at our living room. Look at your chairs. Look at your carpet. 
those materials right now are dry. The majority of those materials are treated with items to keep it from absorbing the grape juice, the wine, everything else <laughs> liquid that hits it. So if you put water on it from your stream, what's that water going to do? It's going to repel off of that fuel. So basically you have dry firewood. The surfactants that are found, especially in your higher quality concentrates, allow that water to penetrate those fuels, those fuels to absorb the water, hold the water so that when heat's applied to it, that water again can absorb the heat energy rather than the fuel burning. Um, so in a nutshell, that is, that is the benefits of using a concentrate to create a break, if you would, uh, in a wildland environment. That's, what, that's how it's creating that break. Okay. Um, you know, is this allowing the water to stay so that the water can do its job? Okay, great. Thanks. Did that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. That was terrific. Okay, and, and surfactants are basically the active ingredient that you're going to find in a concentrate. And, and my research has shown that the surfactants that are found in the concentrate are basically what's going to separate the concentrates in terms of performance you can get really deep into how some of these concentrates are working in terms of at the molecular level with positive and negative charged ions. And we'll leave all that alone. Um, and basically just remember that the surfactant uh, allows that water to penetrate the fuel. Um, the next thing that's very important when you're talking about concentrates uh, is the viscosity. Um, one thing I found over time is that the firefighters think any foam system can use any type of concentrate that's not true. Um, the viscosity of the concentrate can vary greatly from manufacturer to manufacturer and type of concentrate to type of concentrate. So you have to make sure that you know the viscosity, you know the viscosity that the system can handle so that the two of them will work together. Uh, and basically the viscosity is the resistance uh, to flow of a liquid. So in terms of when you hear numbers, we, we measure it in centipose. Um, the greater the viscosity, the slower the liquid flows. So the higher the number centipose of the liquid, then the slower that liquid will move. So remember, it's, it's also relative that the lower the number, the faster the liquid will move. Uh, and, and viscosity is, is cha can change and can be dictated by temperature. So as the temperature of the liquid increases, the vis viscosity of the liquid decreases. So on the flip side, if you live in an environment like uh, Canada, where it's very cold all of the time, the viscosity of your foam concentrate is going to be much higher than, say, Arizona, where it's warm all the time. Um, and that's important because if your apparatus are outside uh, or you are in colder temperatures, it can actually thicken up on you and, and not properly work in your system. Sure. Just to, give you an, just to give you an idea on a few common products that you encounter every day so you can kind of wrap your head around what what this whole viscosity thing is. Um, water has a centipose of one. Um, vegetable oil has a centipose of 40. 30 weight motor oil has a centipose of roughly 350. Wow. And when you really start getting into the, to the thick stuff, honey is around 1500 and glue is around 3000. Um, so just, just to kind of wrap your head around some yeah. common products that you'll encounter on a day-to-day -day basis. Sure. Wow. Never thought as of it far as way. foam concentrates, you, did you have a question? No, I was going to say never thought of it that way. I mean, I know what viscosity was, and but I never compared it to the everyday products like you just spoke about. 
And the, the interesting thing is, so most of your AFFARs are going to be your thickest concentrate because of the ingredients that they utilize. It's not uncommon to find an AFFF that's 1,500 to 2,500 centipodes. So basically the centipodes of that AFFAR is somewhere between honey and glue. Mm. Uh, so, you know, when, when people start, to, you start having conversations with people and they talk about their foam systems gumming up and their foam systems not working. Most of the time when you get to really digging into what's going on, they're using an AFFAR with a system that's not designed to use it. Um, and it's just so thick that the system can't move it. Um, so you think about, you're basically pouring honey into your foam system. Hmm. Wow. Some of your more common, um, concentrates, uh, or wetting agents out there have much lower centipodes. I know the centipodes that our department utilize, or excuse me, the concentrate our department utilized had a centipodes of about 38. So it was, it's about the consistency of vegetable oil, um, for those of you listening, um, I've got a, a couple executive fire officer research projects that I did that are available through the NFBA, or you can reach out to me and I'll give you my information when we finish. Um, that'll give you some information in terms of viscosity of, of the concentrates, uh, the most common concentrates that you find out there. Save you a lot of time and effort since I did it all for my EFO to uh, just go straight to one of those papers and you can get the information. So basically, when you when you look at this, um, one of the things that I found real interesting in my research is the plus or minus that some concentrates have. Um, you know, for example, one of the AFFARs out there um, has a viscosity of 2100 plus or minus 3600. So that's a huge that's a huge variance. Yeah, it's just uh, yeah, we're we're not talking a small percentage difference. Um, and, and all of, most of your concentrates out there uh, are tested in the 77 degree range. So again, drop it down to 40 degrees or 30 degrees and see what happens to that. Yeah, I can, um, I can but you can, you, you can reference that information. And, I, and I'll tell you, there are some, some manufacturers out there that, that when contacted for this research had no idea what their centipose was. Which you know proves uh, proves to be pretty bad for us out in the the fire service because we're putting this in a foam system that's only designed to to work at a certain percent or a certain centipose, and we're putting a product in there that we have no way of knowing how thick it is. So um, that's important information to know when you start thinking about your foam systems and uh, and how well they'll work together. Well, without a doubt, the last thing you want your system to do is is get clogged up in the middle of a working emergency uh, only because you used a um, concentrate that your uh, apparatus was not properly equipped for. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, I mean, I have, uh, I have worked with, with some of the foam system manufacturers and they will tell you that that is the most common service call they have. Um, and departments shell out a lot of money to uh, to bring in repair people when their system's not working, only to find out that they didn't check the centipose um, to make sure that their system they're using was designed to uh, to work with that. So that's important information that you uh, that you need to research to make sure that you're putting the right concentrate with the right system. The one thing that I want everybody listening to uh, to come away with today is to remember not to ever mix your concentrates. Um, you want to, if, if you're fortunate enough to have a, a maintenance shop work on your apparatus, if you ever want to make the mechanic just curse you up one side and down the other, mix different concentrates in your foam cell, um, and then let them have to deal with it. 
There, there are some concentrates out there that when you mix them, for lack of better terms, I call them foam boogers. It will make the nastiest looking snots uh, in your foam tank and in your foam system. And it will plug everything up to the point, like I said, that you, whoever's got to deal with it will uh, be calling you names that will, will definitely make you blush. If, if you must change the type of concentrate that you're using, it's vital that you flush out your tank, your system, get all of that concentrate that's, that's currently in there out before you put the new one in. And I would also recommend that even even after you clean everything, take the two concentrates that, that your old one and your new one, mix them in a jar, mix them somewhere that you've got a controlled environment to see how they react. Um, because, I mean, even even if you've got a plastic foam cell, some of that concentrate can be absorbed by that plastic and can leach in uh, and create issues. So, you know, just make sure that you're not mixing concentrates. Um, I, I know coming from a municipal department, we were bound by some some pretty tight purchasing laws. And a lot of times it's hard to buy the best product. You have to go low bid. You want to be real careful if you're using phone systems with changing up your concentrate simply because you've got to go low bid. Uh, if you're using concentrate A in the department and it's time to, to restock your concentrate, you need to convince your finance department to let you repurchase the concentrate that you're using uh, unless you find a better performing one because there is a lot of time, effort, and work that must go into just that switch over. I'll tell you, one of, the, one of the things I found real interesting when I was working on one of my EFO papers, um, I sent out a survey all over the fire service about what kind of concentrates you were using and, and some, some different questions. I heard back from a rather large municipal department and the person that replied said they had no idea what they were using because it came in unmarked buckets from logistics. Oh, um, that's nice. Do, do, do not do that. You know, and, and sometimes there's a disconnect between logistics and the shop uh, and, and the people that are out here using it, using the concentrates. Um, and that disconnect can cause massive problems because when logistics has to, like I said, make a purchase and they just go out for bids, they buy product B when they're using product A, they don't tell you out in the firehouse and they send you a bucket even if it's labeled correctly and you have no idea and you don't have this information that concentrates shouldn't mix, you pour that bucket in there and you just created, like I said, first of all, you just cost a lot of money to the department because you probably ruined all that concentrate. But second of all, it's going to take a lot of time and effort to clean up the mess. So make absolutely sure that you do not mix concentrates. Um, I can't, again, I can't stress that enough um, because it will cause massive problems for you. Um, any questions so far, Steve, that I may have, have spurred for you? No, I think uh, the ones I thought about, you kind of fell right into into onto the path and answered them before I even had a chance to bring them up. But as I said at the beginning, you know, I personally am learning so much about this because I never had the opportunity to use it when I was active. So I think, and I've you know read a lot about it in the trades, seen it, but I've never had it explained even at this opening level that you're, you're giving my listeners and, and me as clearly as it is. And especially with that caveat, and I've never seen, I've never seen that in any of the tr articles I read, but never mix different concentrates together. That's the bottom line. Um, and yeah, and even, and even if it's, even if a salesperson tells you their concentrate will mix, 
I wouldn't, I would not do it. Right. Yeah. I think that your, I think your experience uh, that you, you're talking from and is based on with your research is enough to, for our listeners to understand that that is a do not break this rule, do not break this glass kind of caveat. Don't do it. That's it. Plain and simple. Or they'll be held to pay one way or another if you do it anyway. Yeah, you'll definitely suffer the consequences, no doubt about that. Right. Well, uh, before we, we take a little break, I, I just want to briefly kind of talk about the NFPA standards, um, just to give the listeners an idea of the standards that govern our foam concentrates. Um, there's basically five different standards that you can, can research, um, and there's some good information in there. Um, I would highly recommend taking some time to at least glance through them. Um, the NFPA 18 and 18A uh, are the standards on wetting agents uh, and standard on water additives for fire control and vapor mitigation. NFPA 18 basically governs anything that's, uh, that's listed out there as a water additive, or excuse me, a wetting agent. Um, the good thing about NFPA 18 is compared to the other standards is that there's actually testing criteria found within the standard. Um, so there, there's actually tests that in order to be classified as meeting NFPA 18, that that concentrate has to pass. Um, there's a wood crib test, a deep-seated fire test, a wood fiberboard penetration test, and a Class B fire extinguishment test. Um, things that kind of set one of my EFO papers in motion for me, again, trying to use data to drive decisions, was finding the data that, that these manufacturers got from their concentrate going through this testing process sure. to be able to compare to be able to compare the different concentrates to find out which one did perform better. Right. Um, I will tell you that um, some manufacturers are pretty forthcoming with that information. Some manufacturers uh, adamantly refuse to provide it. Um, I always tell people that if you're using an NFPA 18 classified product, if it were me and it was me when I was a fire chief, I would not use a product that the manufacturer would not release its it's testing data to me. Agreed. Um, I, and you can you can pull my EFO research paper and and read the the correspondence that transpired between um, different agencies and stuff. I published all of those. But one of the things that was very concerning for me as a fire chief um, is that the testing data is owned by the company that makes the concentrate that pays the independent company to do the testing. Um, most of the or all of the the concentrates that I was able to work with um, were tested by UL. Um, and in corresponding with UL, UL basically says, hey, that, that manufacturer owns that information. We can't release that to you. If the manufacturer decides they don't want to release it, that's their prerogative. Um, so for me as a fire chief, my prerogative was I wasn't going to use their product if they wouldn't tell me or show me with data how their concentrate performed. Absolutely. Um, so again, if you're using one of those NFPA 18 concentrates, um, reach out to the manufacturer, reach out to your sales rep, ask them for copies of the testing data. Um, and if you pull my EFO research, um, there's examples in there to show you what it looks like. Because one of, the, one of the things that really troubled me is that UL would not even verify if the data provided by a manufacturer was accurate. Um, we all know in the world today with computers and everything that we've all got, we can, we can pretty much make anything say anything we want. Right. Um, 
as an end user, it concerns me that I can't verify information that's being given to me. Um, but but I did try to provide examples for uh, people that, that look through the research to see what it should look like so they can at least um, have, have an example to compare to. Uh, the other three standards that, uh, that govern foam concentrates are NFPA 1150, which is basically the Class A fuel standard. Um, NFPA 1145 has some good information. I would encourage you to go read through that. It basically is a guide for the use of Class A foam in manual structural firefighting. Um, and that standard will, will give you some guidance and, and information on using it. Um, I, I'll also tell you that NFPA 1150 did add in this most recent edition uh, some testing criteria, although it's, it's pretty basic, um, to measure the performance of a Class A uh, concentrate. One of the things I, I found kind of odd with it is that their aeration process for making the finished foam was to use a blender uh, and blend the solution for X number of seconds, which to me is not real because in the fire service, we pull up to something, our foam systems aren't creating the agitation that a blender creates to form the bubbles that a blender is going to perform. Right. So again, I'll leave that whole discussion for another day. <laughs> NFPA 11 uh, is, is the standard for low, medium and high expansion foam. So NFPA 11 governs what most people think in terms of, hey, this is what foam is. Again, not getting into the weeds and NFPA standards. Pull the standards. You, you can go to NFPA.com or .org, whichever it is, uh, but you can access the NFPA website. Great thing is now you can actually get the standards, look at them for free. You can't print them or do anything with them, but you can set up an account and at least read them. So, um, you know, reach out when you have a little bit of time and, and glance over those standards. Um, as I mentioned, UL classifies the different wetting agents that are available. Um, there's information on their website that shows you what the percentage each concentrate was tested at and, and approved for use. I know a lot of manufacturers will tell you to use their, their concentrate at one percentage, but then if you look, they were tested at a different one. So um, we always made sure in our department we used concentrate that we uh, carried on our apparatus for Class A fires and Class B fires at the percentage it was tested to according to the standard. Right. Uh, and that information, that chart's all created also in my EFO research paper if, uh, you know, you want to access it to uh, to find out about the different concentrates. The um, Class B test that NFPA 18 uses is a little bit different than NFPA 11, uh, and it has to do with the flow that uh, the concentrate or the solution is put on the fire. So there's some debate in the foam world and the fire service in terms of not being able to compare apples to apples, but it'll give you, um, you know, some, some good information. And, and again, being able to know those different testing methodologies so that you know how, how to expect your, uh, your concentrate to perform. Sure. So, so any questions up to this point, Steve? No, I think this, this has been fascinating for me, uh, not not having any experience with it. I'm just sitting here listening as you take us down this road. And I think it's going to be just as powerful a presentation to our listeners who are in the same boat. Maybe they're looking to get on the fighter service. Maybe they're on a small department. Or maybe they just haven't had cause to learn about wedding agents and concentrates yet. And um, they're hearing this, and they're and they're learning just as well as if they were at a pres one of your presentations at one of the conferences. 
Well, uh, well, Steve, this is a great place for us to take a break. And uh, when we come back from our, our short break, we're going to talk a little bit about how you can use information to decide which concentrate to use. So when we come back, we'll, we'll start talking about deciding which one to use. Sounds great. All right, folks, we'll be back in just a couple of moments with our guest today, Chief Sean Oak, right after these words. As always, please stay tuned. The tone sound and the dispatcher announces stations 14 and 16, working residential structure. That was all you needed to hear. You jump up from your chair, head to the engine, and climb into the jump seat. As the queue screams, you take stock of your PPE, bunker pants, check, turnout coat, check, hood, check, gloves, check, escape line, check, SCBA strapped on, you're ready. Upon arrival, you jump off the apparatus, grab the loops of the red cross lay, and head for the open front door where smoke is pouring out. You make sure your buddy's behind you. You crouch low and make your way inside, your trusty SCBA mask hanging on your tool belt. What? Stop everything. What the hell are you thinking? You see it's a working room and contents fire, and the smoke is banking down almost to the floor. Who do you think you are, Superman? One breath of that crap and the smoke will damage you in some way, guaranteed. All the soot, carbon, carcinogens, and other outgassing materials will enter your body through the pores on your unprotected face. Don't be the domino, the first person down that forces everyone else to change their tasks to take care of you. Always remember, face peace on. You have comrades depending on you and a family to go home to. Face peace on. You show up for your shift, but you're not feeling 100%. You greet your colleagues with a smile, but you just can't put your finger on it. I'll shake it off in an hour, you think to yourself. You take in a couple of nothing runs, but you're still not feeling any better. When you get back to the barn, you throw some cold water on your face and think, yeah, that's more like it, and head back to the day room. With training scheduled for after lunch, you make yourself comfortable in one of the recliners. But as you sit there, you feel ill. You start to sweat, and you feel nauseous. There's a pain in your left arm that you've never had before. Hey guys, you call out, I'm not feeling... And your voice trills off, your eyes close, and the darkness surrounds you. More firefighters die from cardiovascular health issues than any other reason. Don't let self-pride get in the way of taking care of yourself. See your doctor on a regular basis and be sure to advise him or her that you are a firefighter. Don't be a statistic. Be a healthy firefighter with a long career. For more information, visit the IAFF, the NVFC, or the IAFC-SHS website. And welcome back to this episode of Five Alarm Task Force. My guest today is uh, Chief, retired Chief, Sean Oak of the Albemarle, North Carolina Fire Department. And the Chief really has, has been one of those people who chose a specific one, one of the many paths they can choose from. But he really did a lot of work for his EFO, or Executive Fire Officer, work on concentrates and water additives. And again, when you think about it, the reason why is this. As firefighters, we're basically taught, put the wet stuff on the red stuff. But not every fire is the same. The chief mentioned in segment one about if we look around our homes and God forbid we had a fire, we would to see what would be burning. And I can tell you that what burns today is a lot different than what was burning in my eight years back in the mid-70s to the mid-80s. 
Um, it just was is made differently, different chemicals, different additives today than we use were used back then. And what I used, what I saw back then, was different than the 20 years before I even looked at uh, as a firefighter. So Chief Oak has really covered, and he will be covering more now, but this concept of using wetting agents were, were specifically kind of aiming towards class, class A foam, but he's explaining how it can be used. So hopefully you're, as you listen, you're taking notes and you'll be able to ask questions subsequent to the podcast once you listen to it and we're going to give you uh, the ways to reach the chief if you have follow-up questions for him and he's already said that this is something he really loves to do is to follow up with students that he's taught to help answer their questions because you just can't answer every question with a presentation those of us who have been teachers whether a relatively short time or many many years uh, know that did you no matter what your presentation is no matter what your topic is hopefully your that presentation is going to uh, get your students who are listening to ask for more information or ask for clarification. And part of the joy I've found in all my years as a teacher, and it sounds like Chief Oaks says the same thing when he mentioned the first segment, is that this is what he loves to do as well. He loves to do the follow-up and answer those questions that someone who listened to him at a conference in his lecture listened to it, watched it, but took notes and came away with a few questions. So we're going to try to answer what we can on the podcast and what we can't. You'll be able to follow up with the chief subsequently. So, chief, let's move on to the next level of uh, how to choose which product for what purpose, if you please. Great, Stephen. Before we move into that, though, you, you mentioned something that's very important that I think a lot of the fire service is losing sight on in, in 2019, and that is that the fuels that we're encountering today are a lot different than the fuels we encountered when I first started my career. Absolutely. We, we know, we know the carcinogens that are being put off are telling us that these products are different. We're dealing with a lot more hydrocarbon based household items. You know, I, I sit in my office right now and I look around at how much synthetic items uh, are around me. And this isn't your dad's fire or my dad's fire service in the, these synthetic prob- products behave differently with water. So you're way behind the eight ball if you're not adding some type of, of proven concentrate to your water uh, to handle these synthetic products. So basically, you know, we look around and there's so much stuff that's hydrocarbon based. We're basically dealing with solid gasoline. And we know that water doesn't work on gasoline. But when you add one of these wetting agents that's proven to work with hydrocarbons, into your water and use it for class, as we say, class A fires or, or house fire uh, or commercial business fire, you're going to enhance the ability of your water uh, to, to deal with these products and, and make for much faster extinguishment, uh, which in turn provides less exposure to us right. uh, in terms of the carcinogens and things. So, you know, we're just so much of the fire service today that's not embracing this technology is missing out on the ability to uh, to greatly enhance their firefighters' ability to do their job. Right. Well, it, like you said, it, it, there's a whole path that using it will not will you use less water, you create less damage, the overhaul is is more succinct, etc. So there's a lot of benefits that come out of using the right product at the right time, and it's not just 
yes, most importantly for us, it's protecting us because we've lost far, far too many brothers and sisters to cancer over the last, and it's really grown this, this last 10 years that we've seen it within the fire service. Unfortunately, some of us were, you know, we just observed last week the, the 18th anniversary of 9-11, and we always thought from, and I was one of them, I, I'm not going to lie, I assumed that most of the firefighters I was reading about who were getting sick with, with and diagnosed with cancer had worked the pile. And we knew that the year was bad, even though <clears throat> somebody in the higher-ups told, told our people that, oh, no, you're, all the air is safe here. All you need is just a regular face mask, which was now we know it was not true. And that lie has taken the lives of many brothers and sisters who were so loyal to what happened to us on that day to work the pile for months and months. And now they've paid the ultimate price for doing so. So if we can reduce that exposure, then talking on the podcast, you've heard us say that basically we should treat every working fire today as a hazmat incident. Because just as the chief said, we have these hydrocarbons and other chemicals that are off-gassing and producing the uh, releasing PFAS and PFOS carcinogenic compounds into into the, the, the water that pools up that we've used, onto our bunker gear, onto our skin if we're not covered properly and fully using all our uh, PPE. So this knowledge and putting it into practice has a lot of benefits on many offshoots that can help both the fire service, the victim, and those Many, the men and women who fight those fires on a day-to-day basis. Very, very well said. So now you've decided you want to use uh, a wedding agent to be able to put your fires out better. How, how do you decide what to buy? Well, there's several things that you need to look for to make sure that you're making smart decisions. Uh, the first thing to do is look at the performance of a concentrate. Unlike when I came on the job in, in the late 80s, you know, you have the world at your finger trip, fingertips uh, in terms of the computer, get on that computer, you know, open up a search engine and, and start searching for information related to that concentrate. I will say one great thing about the fire service. They're pretty out front and sharing information, whether it's good or bad. Um, so if, if departments have had bad experiences with a concentrate that you're thinking about getting, chances are there's going to be something on the internet about it. Um, so, you know, do some, some online searching, uh, to make sure that uh, that what you're going to use is, in fact, performing at the, the manner that the manufacturer says. Um, I always tell people to verify the product extinguishing performance from multiple sources. And this goes for me. I mean, I, you know, some of your listeners may know me, but most of your listeners probably don't know me from Adam. How do you know what I'm telling you is accurate? You need to verify even what I'm telling you is accurate information. Um, you know, any, any good research is going to have multiple sources and it's not going to be one source. So just because I tell you something today, that's not the gospel. Make sure you verify the information from multiple sources to, to make sure that it's accurate. Um, I always tell people, do your own product performance testing. You know, don't let a salesperson come in and do performance testing for you and make that your only source of performance of a concentrate. Again, salespeople are there to sell. Um, 
you know, there are some really good salespeople out there, but there's also some really bad ones out there. Um, and I've heard horror stories of some things that salespeople have done um, in, in terms of, you know, you hear people talk a lot of times when they refer to, to foams as snake oil. Um, you know, they come in and do some things that just just are out there, right. um, you know, and, and you need to make sure that you do your own testing and don't just let them come in and do their you know, some of them, some of them, like I said, are, are top notch and, and they do really good job demonstrating their product. Uh, but then there's some that just come in with a dog and pony show that, um, you know, again, are, are out to, to, to get us to buy a bunch of their product. And, and in the end, we wind up being really hurt. So make sure you do your own product performance testing. Um, a source of that online, I already mentioned the UL website. Um, you can go online and, and find information about the different wedding agents that are NFPA 18 classified. Um, I already mentioned to you, get a copy of that NFPA 18 compliance data from the manufacturer. You know, that data is going to show you how that product actually performed uh, on the test. And, you know, I, I've, in arguing that this data should be publicly available, um, you know, it's, it's very important that we know how these products performed um, because there, there's time sequences in there that, you know, the, the fire um, may be extinguished by one manufacturer in 10 seconds and another manufacturer, it may be 30 seconds. Well, that's three times more concentrate that you need for the one that put it out in 30 seconds. That's, that's important for us out in the field. Sure. Um, you know, so, so find this information out from the manufacturer. And again, you know, I'm not telling you don't use um, a, a product that the manufacturer won't give you the data. But as a fire chief, you know, if, if a manufacturer was hiding something and wouldn't give me the information, that was a that was a red flag for me. So, you know, if a manufacturer would not give me their testing data, I just didn't consider them. So definitely reach out and get that data. Uh, MSDSs or, or safety data sheets are a good source of information. You know, a lot of manufacturers will tell you that their product doesn't have anything hazardous, but then when you pull up the uh, the SDS sheets on it, um, you see that it's, you know, corrosive or keep it out of the waterways or, you know, and it's like that should be a red flag for you. If, if the SDS tells you not to get the stuff on you, then chances are it's hazardous. Um, you know, and you, you need to make sure before you get a concentrate and you start using finished foam that you're not going to cause more harm than good. Um, I know the, the manufacturer that, that we purchased our concentrate from is totally environmentally safe, has all the data to back it up, um, and, and has, you know, been utilized in a lot of waterways in our country with no ill effects. But I also know there's a lot of concentrates out there that if you get it in the waterway, now the fire chief's going to be dealing with uh, all kinds of environmental issues. Um, and as you've mentioned a couple of times with the PFOAs and the PFSs that, uh, you know, that's a big thing right now in the fire service. And, and a lot of, uh, a lot of environmental issues are coming out uh, over foam. So you need to make sure that the concentrate you're using uh, is environmentally safe. Again, ask the manufacturer for independent test data to prove that it doesn't have any of these bad products. You know, I can tell you anything that you want to hear. Right. Giving me actual data to prove what I'm telling you to me is is vital. Uh, and we have a responsibility to do that. We have a responsibility to our personnel and we have a responsibility to our community. 
you know, as leaders that are making these decisions, you need to make informed decisions and not just let somebody tell you that this product is safe. Exactly. Again, you know, executive fire officer research projects. It's been a while since I graduated, but, uh, you know, my, my research is a little bit dated, but I, I think it still holds pretty true, you know, from what monitoring the, the foam environment and the, the market. Uh, a lot of the information that I gleaned from my research hasn't changed. Uh, and there may be more information that's available. You know, as, as an EFO graduate, I, I think that the applied research project information is one of the the most underutilized resources in our fire service. There's so much information um, that's available through the National Fire Academy that that we should be using um, because so many of us out here spend a lot of time researching and getting this information. So if you uh, if you reach out to me personally, I can email you the files or um, you can reach out and uh, find the information on the NFPA website. So. One thing that, that is very important that uh, that I always try to convey to people is when you start looking at cost, and, and I don't understand why so many in the fire service, especially when they're company officers and, and lower out riding the truck, worry so much about the cost. Um, you know, they I, I've heard too many coffee table conversations about, oh, we can't use that. It's too expensive and water's free. I always tell people, if you think water's free, <laughs> reach out to your public utilities department that maintains your water system and ask them how free that water is. Water is not free. That's for sure. Um, you know, it, it, it costs money to produce the water that we take out of the fire hydrant. Um, not only does it cost money, it's also in a lot of communities a vital resource that is somewhat limited. Um, and we have a responsibility to protect that resource by not just thinking that, hey, we can go out and, and just use whatever amount that we want. But when you start talking about concentrate cost, um, it's important, and, and this is almost as important as not mixing your concentrates, that you only look at the finished foam cost when you're looking at costs. And an example that I use, if, if we've got concentrate A, and you use concentrate A at 1%, and the cost is $15 a gallon, but then concentrate B is utilized at 0.4% concentrate and costs $25 a gallon. Just off the top of your head, Steve, which which one do you think is the better deal, concentrate A or concentrate B? Off the top of the head, it sounds like A is going to be better. Yeah, because, I mean, that stuff's only $15 a gallon. We can get that a lot cheaper, but so many people in the fire service fail to recognize that you use that concentrate at 1%, whereas concentrate B you use at 0.4%. Right. So in actuality, when you look at the finished foam cost, to make 1,000 gallons of finished foam using that $15 a gallon concentrate, we need 10 gallons of concentrate. If we're going to make that same 1,000 gallons of finished foam using that 0.4% concentrate, we only need four gallons. So if we do the math, 10 gallons at $15 a gallon costs us $150, whereas four gallons at $25 a gallon costs us $100. So again, to make that same thousand gallons of finished foam, the one that actually costs more per gallon for the concentrate is 50% cheaper than the cheaper one. Right. You know, and, and I saw early on in my career, a, a deal go down with one department and another department um, where they swapped some foam and the, the first chief gave say a hundred buckets of concentrate um, 
and and got back or excuse me he he gave the department over here 20 buckets of concentrate and that department gave him 100 buckets what he got lost in was that he gave that department a one percent concentrate and he got a six percent concentrate so if you look at the amount of finished foam he really lost in that deal even though he got more foam concentrate right uh, so so it's it's vital that you only look at the finished foam cost. Don't just look at the cost of the concentrate. That's a great point. Uh, especially especially talking about class A concentrates. And I'm not a big I'm not a huge fan of class A concentrates. I, I think you're so much better off to go with a, a, a classified wetting agent because of the the A and B um, capabilities that it gives you. But also a lot of your A concentrates just say use it at this percentage and they have no valid data to say why they should use it at that percentage. Whereas if you're using a classified wetting agent, they were actually tested at a percentage, have data to show how it performed at that percentage. So it gives you the ability to to compare costs a little better. Um, you know, because if you've got to use concentrate A at 1% and concentrate B at 0.4%, you're not comparing apples to apples in terms of the concentrate. You got to look at the finished foam. Right. You know, it reminds me of uh, the labeling on dog food. It tells you if your dog weighs this much, this much weight, this is how much you should feed that dog daily. And you look at it, now. I have a little twenty-five pound miniature Schnauzer. If I was to feed it what was on the back of the bag of f- uh, natural food that we get her, she would probably be weighing sixty pounds already. And I've, I checked it with the vet, and she said, no, you don't give them what's there. You know, what you're giving her now is fine, but their job is to sell more product. So they're telling you, hey. this range, you should feed them this much. For her to eat that much would be unhealthy for her within a matter of days. So I think that's really what you brought up there, is that don't just go by that one standard. Know how it's going to be used what the final cost is going to be, and does that equal out to what your uh, proposed budgetary goal was to provide the, the, the product and for the emergency at the right level, as opposed to just going because the salesperson said, well, you can use this at this percentage or you need this much a gallonage, et cetera. You need to verify it on your own with either online, with proper research, or, again, reaching out to somebody who you can trust knows about it, that's been vetted to know about it. And that's the most important thing. You're not going to use a new hydraulic tool just because a salesman came out to you and says, this works great. And next thing you know, one of your firefighters loses a foot or a hand because they didn't use it correctly because they followed the directions that the salesperson gave them. You can't do that. you got to have some common sense and do your own due diligence we're not automatons. We need to be able to think for ourselves. Now, there are times when you don't question it. You're not going to question the chief on the fire ground if he tells you to pull a bucket of either Class A or, or the, the special wedding agent and run it. When you get back to the barn afterwards, you can say, how come you chose to, you wanted us to do this instead of that? That's the place to discuss and learn from. You just don't do it right on the fire ground when the emergency is ongoing. Yeah, most definitely. And, and again, you know, that, that, that's always my goal is to, to make people intelligent when it comes to foam concentrates so that they can make informed decisions. Right. You know, I, I have personal feelings over what way 
people should go and what they should use. But if you have all the information and you make a decision based on fact, I can't fault you for whatever your decision is. Um, but I can fault you if you're not informed um, and you're just making decisions based on what a salesperson tells you um, or, or just decisions off the cuff. Exactly. So uh, another reason that I'm a huge fan of wedding agents um, is delivery percentage. Um, most of the, the classified wedding agents are delivered at much lower percentages. And when you use those lower percentages, you use less product. Um, but it also causes you to have to be more concerned with the system that you're delivering the product with because it has to be more accurate. You know, our ARC system uh, was a, was a uh, an injection system, and we'll talk a little bit about systems here in a few minutes, but our system was very accurate and would deliver concentrate percentages at, at very low numbers. You know, when you're doing that, you, you have a lot less margin of error. If you're using a 3-6% concentrate, and your system's off a little bit, it's not that big a deal. But when you're when you're trying to deliver, you know, less than half of 1%, you need that system to be pretty accurate. So you want to make sure that your system is delivering an accurate percentage. Using those lower percentage concentrates also allow for more finished foam solution using the same gallons of concentrate. Those lower percentage concentrates also allow for larger GPMs. Uh, again, you know, the system that we had uh, on our truck is a uh, delivery system is a pretty popular system uh, that you see in a lot of fire departments. And if you're using a 1% concentrate versus a half percent concentrate, that same system is going to be able to deliver twice the GPM of the 0.5% concentrate than it would say the 1% concentrate. Um, so, you know, using these lower percentage concentrates allows you to generate a lot more finished product. I don't think I have the information in here. If my memory serves me correct, um, we our trucks had a 40-gallon foam cell on them, and for Class B fires, um, we could deliver 8,000 gallons of finished foam using that 40-gallon foam cell. Wow. Um, you know, and we, we, have, we had sister trucks, so, you know, two of our three engines had the capability to deliver 16,000 gallons of finished foam uh, on a Class B hydrocarbon fire. If we were using a 3% or a 6%, most of the time it's going to be a 3% for regular hydrocarbon, but we wouldn't be able to deliver near that um, amount of finished foam if we were using a 3% concentrate. So keep that in mind when you're when you're looking at a concentrate to use is that the lower percentage uh, is going to allow you to flow higher GPMs, uh, and it's going to allow you to deliver a lot more finished foam. Uh, it's very important that you look at the hazards that you're protecting. If you're out in the Midwest and you're rural and, and have acres and acres of farmland, you probably don't need to focus on a product that performs really well with Class B fuels. But if you're in a, a, a city environment that, say, protects uh, an interstate or possibly a tank farm, you may need to focus more on how well that concentrate performs with Class B. So again, know the hazards that you're going to be protecting uh, and make sure that the concentrate you choose works well with those uh, hazards. We talked a little bit about environmental concerns, but again, make absolutely sure through data, not just somebody telling you, that the concentrate you're using is environmentally safe. The time to find out that your, that your concentrate uh, is not environmentally safe isn't when all the fish start floating to the top of the river. <laughs> You need to know that way ahead of time. 
because I can tell you as a fire chief, it's, it's mentally tough enough to deal with a, a large fire that, that you have to, to get out in front of the media on, but it's nearly impossible to deal with, uh, you know, a, a huge fish kill because I didn't do my due diligence as a fire chief to make sure that the concentrate I was using was safe. Very true. Uh, so really, really focus on those environmental concerns uh, and get data to prove that the product is not going to harm the environment. Next, I want to just briefly touch on some of the delivery methods. So we, we've talked primarily at this point uh, about concentrates, uh, but now I want to sh- switch gears a little bit and, and talk about four different ways that you can deliver that concentrate. So the four main ways that you can deliver that concentrate are compressed air foam systems or CAFs, an injection system, the adduction method, or the good old fa- never fails batch mis- batch mixing. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to just talk briefly about these. I'm not going to get down in the weeds with them, um, especially when it comes to CAFs, um, because you know it's still a very contentious delivery method in the world today. Um, creates a lot of stir amongst pro and and anti calf people. Um, I will be honest with you. I've had very little to no experience with CAFs. Um, but my experience that I've had with it is that if you are using a concentrate that is proven, um, and and I know a few of them out there that are, it will perform as well with a different type of delivery system as CAS. Where I see a huge benefit in CAS is if you have a lower performing concentrate that, that say, doesn't have really good surfactants in it, the agitation that that CAS system gives that finished foam, uh, the ability to create more bubbles, uh, is very beneficial. Um, again, we won't get into discussing the pros and cons of CAFs, um, but I will say that one of the things that, that kind of agitates me a little bit when I, I get involved in these conversations is when people talk about their CAF foam. CAFs is a delivery system. Uh, it's not a type of foam. You know, it's, it's no different than injection, eduction, or, or batch mixing. So often, people that utilize CAFs do not focus on the concentrate that that CAFs is, is delivering. Um, and I guess a good analogy is, is comparing a bullet to a gun. You know, the concentrate is the bullet. The delivery means is the gun. So cast system is taking your bullet and delivering it. It is important, the type of system that you use, um, but don't lose focus on the concentrate that uh, that, that system is delivering because the concentrate and its ingredients are what is actually going to make the water work better. Uh, injection system is is really gained a ton of traction uh, in, say, the past 15 years. I know uh, I always make it a point when I'm at uh, the trade shows to walk around and look at all the trucks, um, and I'm not looking at the bells and whistles. Uh, I'm looking at the foam systems, foam cells, uh, and I will tell you that the overwhelming majority of the apparatus that are on the show floor at these shows now have foam systems on them. That's encouraging for me as a foam person, but it's discouraging when you still see how ill-informed and unintelligent people are in the fire service. So they're putting these systems on the truck because for whatever reason, and they're, they're not knowledgeable and trained in how to use the system and the concentrate, but injection is, is probably the most popular. I'm a huge fan of injection. That's the systems that we used in our department. And basically it's just a, a pump. Um, it has a sensor. It detects how much water is moving through your foam manifold which is how everything is plumbed together tells the system here's how much concentrate you have to put in there Um, the reason i really like these types of systems is they're very accurate Um, they don't take a lot of thinking and they deliver pretty uh 
pretty good percentages in, in terms of a wide range. You know, one thing I've noticed that, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about it when we get into to specking a system, is you have to make these systems as easy to use as possible if your firefighters are going to use them. If you put a system on the truck that requires a lot of thinking, it's going to be a lot harder to get them to use it just because we, we all know how busy an engineer's job or a pump operator's job is at a fire scene. They don't have time to sit there and worry about a lot of things dealing with the foam system. Um, the system that we utilized only required the, the engineer to hit the button to turn it on. That's the only thing it required. If it was a class A fire, everything was preset. If it was a class B, they had to hit one more button to up the percentage a tenth of a percent. That's all they had to do. So again, trying to make it as easy to use as possible. Uh, and an injection system does that. Uh, eduction is what I cut my teeth on as a, a new firefighter back in the 80s was an inline eductor. Again, thinking about how much thinking it took, you know, I, I remember you, you had to have certain pressure coming in. You couldn't have so much hose going off of it. You had to have this amount of hose. It, it was just cumbersome. And we didn't use it just because it, it was not easy. It was not accurate. There are still eduction systems that can be put in your pump. And again, they require a lot of thinking. So I'm, I'm not a huge, per, a huge fan of it just because it requires a certain intake pressure. It requires... Uh, any change in the system to the engineer to know about so they can make adjustments. The injection system doesn't require any of that. You know, if you add lines, the injection system, the computer picks it up and makes the necessary adjustments, whereas the eduction, it doesn't do that. Uh, several of your listeners may be thinking, oh, my gosh, this foam stuff sounds awesome, but I, we, we got no way to, to deliver it. You know, we don't have a foam system on our truck. We don't have the money to put one. I will tell you, you can still utilize these concentrates by batch mixing. It's a pretty crude way of doing it, but it works. Um, in our department, when we first started using concentrates, we didn't have foam systems on all our trucks. Uh, our foam system consisted of gallon jugs that uh, were carried in a compartment. When we had a fire, the engineer would climb up, dump the gallon jug in the, the tank, and we'd go about uh, putting the fire out. You know, the good thing about this type of system is it always works. It doesn't break. Uh, it's not quite as accurate. And and we found the concentrate that we were using um, was was still pretty effective at a lower percentage. So, you know, putting one gallon of concentrate in a tank load of water was better than no concentrate. Sure. You know, so batch mixing is very plausible. Uh, it can be done with drop tanks. Um, I, I will tell you the one negative that we experienced with it was the bubbles and the sudsing that it creates. Even if we were tied to a municipal water source, we would run off of our tank because you know we, we couldn't have the, the, the tank to pump closed. Um, so we would run our tank down and we would open up and fill our tank back up. And after our first load of, of foam solution in the tank, filling our tank back up created a lot of bubbles. Um, those bubbles caused issues with our tank level sensor because it actually covered the tank level sensor up and didn't let the engineer know how much water they had in their tank. Oh. Um, again, knowing that that was occurring, the engineer paid more attention to how much water they were flowing, you know, and, and used their brain to compensate for what this caused. Right. Um, but if you don't, if you don't know that that's going to happen, you know, that may catch you off guard and, and may cause you some issues. You know, your, your truck may be running away from you and, uh, you have no clue because you look over there and, uh, you know, your foam, your water level sensor says you're full of water, but your truck sounds like you're out. So, uh, 
just keep that in mind if you batch mix. Next thing, and we talked a little bit about this, is knowing the viscosity of the system when it comes to the type of delivery system that you're going to have. Again, um, I've created some charts in my EFO research that has the majority of the major systems out there. Um, we'll tell you the centipose that they'll handle. Uh, and there's also another chart that tells you the different foam concentrates. Just pulling one off here, if you look, the Foam Pro 1600 is a, a pretty popular series um, injection system. Uh, for those of you listening, um, the 1600 series by Foam Pro is going to have a toggle switch with a turn dial on it. Um, it's not digital or anything. It's pretty common because it's a, ver a fairly inexpensive system, um, but that system is only designed to utilize a concentrate of a thousand centipodes or less. So you remember earlier we were talking about an AFFAR being 2,000 plus centipodes. That Foam Pro 1600 system is not designed to handle those concentrates. Um, so again, it's important to know what type of centipodes your system will use and then look at the concentrate you're using to make sure it'll handle it. And that'll, that'll keep you from having issues um, with your system. The NFPA apparatus standards uh, are good to look at. Uh, NFPA 1901 has two chapters that deal with foams. Uh, chapter 20 will give you guidance on foam proportioning systems. Um, chapter 21 will give you guidance on CAFs. I will tell you that the, uh, the, the two trucks that I ordered as fire chief that I put foam systems on and, and our group put foam systems on, we, the manufacturer never referenced these two chapters with us. Um, with chapter 21, they wouldn't because it wasn't CAFs. But chapter 20 was, um, they never said anything to us about chapter 20. We weren't as informed uh, as I became later in my career, so we didn't know about it. We assumed, and you know what that does to us, oh, that yes. we were buying a truck that was compliant with NFPA 1901 because that's what the manufacturer said. But within chapter 20 in 1901, that manufacturer is supposed to find out from us what concentrate we're using and make sure that the system we're putting on the truck will work with the concentrate that we say we're going to use. We never had that happen with either one of the trucks that we bought. Mm. So again, you know, do your due diligence, become educated so that you make sure you're making uh, informed decisions. Read chapter 20 of NFPA 1901 if you're putting a foam system on your truck. Finished solution flow rate is important. Um, when you're making purchasing decisions, you want to know the maximum flow rate of your system as compared to the concentrate that you're using. And you want to make sure that your system is able to deliver that maximum solution flow rate. So in other words, you want to make sure that you, if you want to flow a thousand gallons of finished foam, that your system and concentrate match up and can deliver a thousand gallons of finished foam. You know, we mentioned the Foam Pro 1600 series. That's a, a pretty small system. It's not going to flow a thousand gallons per minute. Um, it's just not designed to do that. So make sure again, do your homework um, and make sure that that, uh, that that information is known when you're specking your apparatus. Concentrate tank size is important. Um, you know, when you're specking your apparatus, you want to look at how often you're going to use your foam. What are you going to use your foam with? and carry the maximum amount of concentrate you'll need to make sure that you'll handle the majority of your fires. Um, make sure that you look at the percent your concentrates utilized so you can determine how many finished gallons of foam that tank you're putting on your truck will deliver you. 
So a good example using real world numbers, let's say we're going to put a 30 gallon foam cell on our truck. We're going to have to, we're using a 3% concentrate. So that 30 gallons of foam we're carrying is only going to give us a thousand gallons of finished foam. Whereas if we're using a 0.5% concentrate, that same 30 gallon foam cell is going to give us 6,000 gallons of finished foam. So again, we talked about using lower percentage concentrates and the advantages it gives you. This is a huge one. Sure. Um, it'll allow you to, to spec a smaller foam cell if you choose to do so. Personally, we, we carry 40 gallons. Um, I, I wanted to have as much concentrate on the road as I could, um, just because you never know what you're going to encounter. But know that information when you're specking your apparatus and don't just let that salesperson go, oh, a 30-gallon cell will do fine for you or a 10-gallon cell will do fine for you. Make sure you know this information, um, you know, so that you can make an informed decision. Um, last thing, when you're, when you're looking at delivery systems, if you're going to become a department that uses your phone system, you're not just putting a phone system on there because it's the cool thing to do or we just want a phone system or we're only going to use it on Class B, but you're a department like I was, in that if it's red, you turn it white, please, please spend the money to put the ability to fill your foam tank from the ground. You know, I, 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 I've used this example in every class um, because if you're a department that's going to be using your system and you're going to be filling it fairly regularly, prevention of one injury by putting that foam fill system on the truck will more than pay for itself. And I know too often apparatus committees, you know, they start – trimming and they have to cut costs and they consider a foam fill system as a nice to have. Uh, I'll tell you, if you're going to use the system, it should be a must have. Um, you know, if you think about if you've ever had to hoist a five gallon pail of foam concentrate up over your head and hand it to somebody to dump into a foam tank, it's not the safest procedure in the world. Anytime we put someone up Above the, the ground, we run the risk of turning ankles, breaking legs, breaking arms, or, or you know, worse, um, because of slips and, and falls. So put a foam fill system on your apparatus so that your personnel can stay on the ground, fill your foam cells safely, uh, and, and prevent um, any injuries. And, and as a fire chief, I could easily justify the cost of that foam fill system by just showing what one turned ankle would cost in terms of, of workers' comp claims and pain and suffering and lost time work for, for somebody on the apparatus. Oh, sure. For sure. We, we know that. Most definitely. You know, I remember since we had a lot of AFFF, we had two, we had an engine and a snorkel that were both equipped, and we also had a, a tanker additionally. And the only way we had was to lift up those five-gallon pails to set up a load. Several of the firefighters suffered some sort of an injury, pulled muscle, sprained, sprained shoulder, sprained back from lifting these pails. Think of it this way, folks. If you look at the new way in the last, let's say, 10 years or so, the way the rear of an engine or rear of a truck has, has been designed, you see it has a whole different way of stepping up, getting up to where you need to be to do that. And that's because of the same situation. They used to have just fold-over foot, foot pads that you'd climb up that were maybe four inches, maybe three and a half inches long and maybe two inches wide. And you had to climb to the top of your apparatus, either you're going to load the hose or something like that, all, all the way up there. You don't 
if you can avoid that situation and avoid what the possible occurrences are by doing that, then the investment in the change or a safer way to access the the equipment pays pays a big bet at the in the long run because you're going to most likely have less injuries and less chance for people being hurt and everybody knows exactly how to go and where to go as opposed to do I step here what do I step on there do I have to step on that outlet to get up there you don't want to see that happen because I've seen I saw guys fall slipping off trying to climb to the top of an engine most of the time they made it but some of them times they didn't and what does that injury cost your department your investment in a safer way to load just might be that one additional higher expense that will pay you back in in spades if nobody gets hurt yeah and you know and, and again you know talking about cost of foam so often in the fire service you know, people, oh, it costs too much, or, or, oh, we can't afford to put that foam fill system uh, on the apparatus. You need to think of the bigger picture. You need to think of the indirect as well as the direct cost savings. You need to look at the possibilities of, if you don't do this, what's it going to cost you? Um, so, again, you know, with, with foam fill systems, so many agencies are quick to cut that because they see it as an unnecessary expense, right. but they don't think about, the prevention of one injury and what that would cost. So, so again, you have to think bigger picture. You have to be uh, informed in your decision making. So, you know, and, and that's why your listeners are here today because they they want to learn these things and and they want to become a smart decision maker and think big picture. Um, you know, and I, and I'm just glad that we can get this information to them so that that hopefully they can make informed decisions that are going to, in the end, wind up saving their community and department money. Absolutely correct. Well, Steve, uh, with that, I think it's another great place to take a break right here. Okay. Um, when we get back, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll do our final segment. We'll talk about why and how you use foam, talk a little bit about water, and then uh, kind of wrap everything up uh, when we get to the end. So uh, I'll see you in, on the other side of our break. Sounds good. Folks, we'll be right back with our guest, Chief Sean Oak. Talking more about using foam in the fire service today, right after these words. Please stay tuned. You're listening to Five Alarm Task Force. News and issues for today's first responders. If you've been a regular listener for the past couple of years, and you know that we're coming to fall season, you know what that means. It means the great... Florida Fire School is coming back. That's right. The Great Florida Fire School will take place out in Fort Myers from October 22nd through the 26th. It's a great time. It's a very inexpensive uh, week, part of a week for you to get some great training, uh, not only from some terrific instructors, but to talk with colleagues from around the state and around the country who come in for this program. We have great educators. We have great instructors. There's live uh, training that's going to be done on several of the days as well. If you want to get all the details for the Great Florida Fire School, just go to their website at www.t as in tango, g as in golf, f as in foxtrot, f as in foxtrot, s, tgffs.org. Remember, not .com. It's www.tgffs.org. 
as in Sam, dot org. You've got all the information. You can register right there. The Great Florida Fire School, a great place to learn about your firematic practices and what it takes to be a firefighter today. We'll be right back. Yeah, you, it's me, your heart. Listen to me. We've got to talk. High blood pressure is serious, and yours? Whoa. What happened to us? We used to be so much more active. But lately, you've been ignoring me. I know you think I'm just going to keep ticking away forever, but you're wrong. You can do so much more to control your high blood pressure. Doing the minimum isn't doing enough. I'm under a lot of pressure and can quit whenever I want. Bet you didn't know that. But I like my job. Just treat me better. Check on me. Give me something green to nibble on every once in a while. And maybe we can do some exercise on occasion. Let's get to it. After all, we're in this together. Listen to your heart. Don't let it quit on you. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. Check, change, control. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. Okay, so five tacos, a cheese, and a large soda. That's $10,012. Please drive around. Wait, 10000 what? It's obvious you're buzzed and driving. I've only had a few. I'm fine. Yeah, the food's 12 bucks, but getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Please drive around. Actually, just park and come in. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving. Because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. And welcome back to this episode of Five Alum Task Force. And yes, we used to say news and issues for today's first responders with every plug, but it got a little verbose. So we're just keeping it down to Five Alum Task Force. And my guest today is a gentleman that I've met. I'm so happy I got to finally meet him after talking with him online. Chief uh, Sean Oak of the Albemarle North Carolina Fire Department. And we're talking about the use of, I guess the best way to call the, the title would be the use of foam products in the fire service today. And in both segments, the chief has underscored the most important point, which is... You need to do your due diligence ahead of time to do all your research. If you're getting in, if you're specking a new apparatus, you know, it's fun to get on the apparatus committee, especially if you're on a volunteer system. On either career or volunteer, it's fun to be on that apparatus committee, but you can't just be a member of the committee and wait for the meetings and just vote with what's presented. You owe it to your department, to yourself as a firefighter, to your colleagues, your department, your community, to know what you're talking about, to understand what the, how the product works, what it will do for you, what that cost ratio is that we've been talking about, and that how a lower percentage, oh, I can't use that, I want to give it the full force, i got to put it all, well, you don't, is what the chief is telling us today. You can use a lower percentage that will get you more power of your final product that you use using less pro- less of the concentrate and the most amount of water that you can flow and get the results that you're looking for. But if you just sit on the committee and just, okay, that sounds good, okay, I like that, I'll vote for that, then you're not really contributing. And no matter what committee, no matter what organization you belong to, if you don't contribute to that committee, you don't belong on the committee. And I handled nonprofits for almost 20 years. And I can tell you that 
I set that as a rule. You want to be on a committee? That's wonderful. I'd love to have you. But you got to be a participating member. You have to do the job of being a member of that committee. And when it comes to an apparatus committee, as the chief has told us, and he'll tell us again now, you have to know what you're talking about. And if you don't, you go to learn it. You can study it and come back to the table with good information. All right, so now we're going to wrap it up, Chief, with what to look for, what to seek. We can't always get you know what we want, but there's a way of presenting it so that everybody understands the true value of what a foam product will do for the department and the community. Well, thanks, Steve. And, and yeah, you know, we've, we've spent time already talking about concentrates and delivery systems. And, you know, I, I kind of maybe put a cart a little bit before the horse. So we, we gave you all that information. Now I want to kind of change gears and give you some information to help arm you in order to get your department, your company um, engaged in using um, whatever concentrate you choose to use. You know, you sit there and, and again, there's so many coffee table conversations about, oh, well, we don't need to use foam. It's expensive. We don't use it. Why should we use it? Water works. You know, and again, I, I just, my blood boils sometimes with, with what people say. But this last segment, what we're going to do is, is talk about um, some information that will help arm you for those conversations and, and to be able to show why you should be using these. The first is, is I want to talk a little bit about water. You know, why is water important and what is the effect on enhancing it? Well, water is vital because water is what absorbs the heat energy to put the fire out. It's important that we, as we've already mentioned, we, we protect this resource um, and we don't use any more of it than we need to. And, and it's also vital that we know that we have to have so much water to absorb so much heat energy. Um, you know, sometimes you, you get into debates, especially with casts, where they talk about, well, you use so much less water. Um, I'll tell you, if there's a thousand BTUs of heat energy that have to be absorbed, you have to have the proper amount of water to absorb that thousand BTUs of heat energy. Um, I don't care what concentrate you put in it. If you don't have the adequate amount of water to absorb the heat energy, the fire is not going to go out. We're enhancing your water. Uh, and putting a proven concentrate in it is beneficial is that it makes your water work more efficiently. You use less because you're using it more efficient, efficiently. It's not that it doesn't take as much water to put the fire out. It takes just as much water to put the fire out as if you didn't use a concentrate in terms of absorbing the heat energy. And I know it kind of gets a little confusing when we talk about it, but basically in a nutshell, Enhancing your water is going to increase the efficiency of your water. Um, wet stuff doesn't burn. So if we can put a concentrate in our water to allow the fuels like we've already talked about to absorb that water, it's not going to burn. I mean, it's as simple as that. Previous segment, Steve, you mentioned overhaul. Right. Um, our department got where well, we were doing very little physical overhaul because we were using foam uh, and the concentrate that we're using has really good surfactants and allows all those fuels to absorb the water and hold them. We could literally soak everything down and not have to, to rip everything out because if we did miss a spot, 
the fire literally would just smolder out to the area that it was wet and it would put itself out. We experienced that in the very first kill the flashover that we did. Um, we were in Shelby, North Carolina, and we had one house because um, we were doing an acquired structure burn, uh, and we were doing two days worth of burning in it. We did. Uh, we had a we had a really good burn that got up in the attic on day one, and uh, we we before we finished that day, um, we took and covered everything with finished foam. We didn't we didn't flow copious amounts where the water was running out of the house. We took a one inch line, flowing about 15 gallons a minute, went up in the attic covered everything in the attic. We covered the rooms that we burned in. Well, the next morning when we came back, luckily there was still a house standing, but when we got ready to start working that morning, uh, I remember going up to check the attic and the attic was full of smoke. Uh, we were like, oh my gosh, we, you know, we missed something. Well, long story short, we, we did some investigating and we found that we had missed the spot um, over uh, in one of the corners of, of one of the rooms. Um, but that fire basically just sat there and slowly smoldered out to where we had already, we had put finished foam and it put itself out. So, you know, th those are the effects on enhancing your water with a proven concentrate um, is that you will make your fuels wet and your fuels won't burn. Another thing that's great that I love about using foam is that, that I, I like to tell people basically those foam bubbles are creating tracer bullets so you know where your water goes. A bubble contains water. And if you see foam, you know there's water there. Right. So if you go into, if you go into a room and you coat the walls with foam, you know those walls have water on them. You can't do that with plain water. You can't see it. You don't. You know. You may see puddles, but you don't know if a fuel has absorbed that water right. uh, or not. So you know that's a huge benefit uh, in terms of of giving us tracer bullets, if you would. The other thing is that water that stays is water that works. If we create bubbles um, and those bubbles stay in place and they don't run off, they slowly break, allowing the surfactants to interact with the fuel and absorb the water. That water has stayed in place and worked. How often have you seen videos or, or even been on fires where it's a river running out the front door? If you've got that, your water is not staying and doing its job. It's, it's running away. Um, so by using finished foam, you're keeping your water in place and that's allowing your water, uh, to do its job, which is to absorb the heat energy. Some, some tests that I've done in the past that, that really prove how well foam solution, uh, is absorbed versus plain water. Um, I took some, some untreated, um, two by, or excuse me, one by sixes. Um, it was just regular pine untreated put finished foam on it and put water on it and look to see how much water uh, was absorbed by that piece of wood. In using this methodology, it was pretty easy to see that, you know, our untreated board, the water pretty much just ran off the board. Uh, and both boards were, were completely horizontal, so they were flat. They were held up off of the surface so that any water ran off couldn't be absorbed up into the, uh, up into the board. Right. But on the untreated water, so just pouring plain water on this flat board, um, there was only two grams of weight gain in the board after putting um, the 50 milliliters of water on it. I took that same 50 milliliters, added some fin some foam concentrate, aerated it with uh, in a two liter bottle, poured it on the uh, the board, uh, and let it sit. Uh, for the same amount of time as I did the untreated board, and that board absorbed 26 grams of water. 
Hmm. So you can see you can see a big difference in those two boards in that the one had 26 grams of water there to absorb heat energy that the other board only had two grams of water there to absorb heat energy. Big difference. Yeah. And, and just, you know, I, I wish we had the ability to see it because, uh, you know, it was a marked difference, too, when you look at the board uh, in terms of where the water went and, and how the water was absorbed. Um, I did another test where I took the same kind of boards and, and pitched them at an angle. And again, these aren't scientific tests. So I, you know, I couldn't totally control the variables. I tried to control them as best I could. Um, but, you know, there was a little deviation in the variables that I guess you could say, well, that's the reason you got the results you got. But I will tell you from my experience out in the field that what these tests showed, the field backs up in terms of, of the results. Um, but I took the same, same type of boards um, tilted at them an angle and took, uh, I, I poured 25 milliliters of plain water across the board, tried to control the variable in terms of the amount of time that it took to pour on the board, did the same thing with just foam solution. Uh, and then I did the same thing with an agitated finished foam um, that I shook up in a two liter bottle. The product that we used, we mixed it 0.4%. It was a marked difference in terms of watching the board and the behavior of the water on the board. The plain water beat it up pretty much ran off the board, whereas the foam solution without bubbles covered the board, um, but the water didn't stay in place as much, whereas with the finished foam having the bubbles, it really stuck and clung. Um, so at the end of that particular test, uh, again, we were using 25 milliliters for each of the tests. On the plain water, we actually had 21.5 milliliters that ran off the board. Uh, compared to 25 is what we started with. Uh, on the, the foam solution that we poured across the board, we had 13.5 milliliters ran off the board. And mm -hmm. on the finished foam where we actually shook it up and made bubbles and poured it, we only had 8 milliliters that ran off the board. So comparing plain water to the bubbles, you had 3.5 milliliters of water absorbed by the board. On the foam, we had 17 milliliters absorbed by the board. So with the foam, well over half of that water that we put on there was absorbed by the board. And again, when you apply the heat to that, in order for that board to burn, that water is going to have to absorb that heat energy and basically be cooked off before that board's going to burn. Uh, so that's, that's very important for us uh, in terms of the fire scene because we're keeping our water in place so that the water can do its job. Some huge advantages to fire suppression that uh, that using wetting agents and, and foam class A concentrates, uh, it provides faster extinguishment. Again, my experience in the real world out here doing actual fires, um, not just kill the flashover burns, but actual house fires, is that, that pre-treating an area as you go in to make a hit keeps the fire from coming out. Um, we did a, uh, a, an acquired structure burn in our department several years ago. We burned in one room with, with foam. The rest of the house, we just used plain water. When we actually did the burn down on the house, the house literally burnt down around that room. Um, I've got the video of the fire actually not coming into that room. There was so much moisture in that room that the fire actually could not come into that room and overtake that room. That, that I would have loved to have seen. That was that sounds very cool. You know, and again, some of our you know, I've I've got tons of information, uh, video data from Kill the Flashover. Um, we we've done some burns where 
Um, we took and pre-coated a room with plain water. We pre-coated a room with foam solution. Uh, and then we tried to control the, the, the fuel packages um, and then let the fire burn um, the same amount of time uh, and watch the fire behavior. And on one of them, I mean, it was a marked difference um, watching the video in terms of, and it was thermal imaging video that we were watching. It wasn't regular video. And again, I, I use these videos when I do my classes. Sure. Um, but the fire literally would not take off and grow in the room that we used the foam solution compared to the water room because that moisture was there and the fire literally could not overcome that moisture until it cooked all that water off. That's, that's amazing. Just to think about it. And, uh, and it is, and you know, you can't dispute video proof. I mean, it, it, we, we've got the thermal imaging proof video to prove this is what happened. Uh, so, you know, it, we're, we're not just dealing with somebody saying, Hey, we saw this happen again. We've got the video proof that, right. it, that it took place. Well, it's like our good mutual friend, chief Starnes down in uh, Charlotte, a little way from away from you and uh, Max Firebox. When you look at the demos that from with Max Firebox, what they do with both the thermal heat, and you actually learn the fire behavior of how you can change the ventilation of a, a structure, even though it's a small uh, demonstration box that they use most of the time. But just that small box gives you entirely new insight of fire behavior and. For example, when we the whole the whole thing that started a couple of years ago was cooling the door. Why bother to cool the door? Why should we bother? Let's just tear in there and go in there and fight the fire. But when you watch the demonstration, it totally changes your perspective of the effectiveness of cooling that door. And what you just said, be able to think that you could pre-coat this room. Yes, it was a test for KTF. But you could pre-coat the room and then see the difference between an uncoated room that just had regular water on it and a coated room is the same sort of in-your-face demonstration that shows you this system works when done this way. And if you look over here, it didn't work when we did it this way. And I think sometimes, as you know, having been the chief, that um, firefighters want hardcore evidence in front of them before they'll accept something. And the demonstration you just talked about and what I just referred to from, from uh, Andy and, and, and uh, the guys from Max Firebox is the same thing. When you see it with your own eyes, the difference that these kind of practices can have on your fire buildings then you have to say to yourself, well, this really, this thing works. This thing, I just saw it with my own eyes. They've done it twice already, and I see that this thing works. And, and unfortunately, you know, I want to be politically correct and polite. All right, let's just say that we're just sometimes, as a culture in the fire service, we're just sometimes reticent to, either believe something we somebody else has said or if we don't see it right in front of us with our own eyes. But these both of these examples are right there. And if you can't learn from that, 
with what your eyes show you, that you're watching, how it's set up, how it's done and conducted, then I don't know what else is going to convince you that a procedure or a certain tactic is going to work to help you do the job that we all love to do. No one says we don't want to fight fire. Of course, we, you know, that's part of the excitement of being a firefighter. But there are smart ways of fighting fire today that we didn't have 25, 30 years ago. And the smarter way we fight fire can also mean we're smarter about how we do everything we do. We do. We're more careful, less accidents, less injuries, and with the Lord's good care, less line-of-duty deaths. And I think that's what's most important about that last demonstration you talked about. It is right in front of you to see the difference. Yeah, you know, I, I tell people, hey, if you, if you don't believe the video, do the test yourself. Right. You know, just don't be so close-minded to say that it doesn't make a difference. Um, you know, get out there and, and prove it for yourself. And, uh, you know, I, I, anybody that's ever used, uh, especially the concentrate that we use in our department, has always remarked afterwards the difference that it made. Uh, and you mentioned Chief Starnes. You know, if, if you talk to him about it, he, he can tell you firsthand uh, from experiences of being on the nozzle through KTF, the difference that using an enhanced stream, uh, especially with the concentrate that we use, uh, makes. You know, and, and that leads into some of the other suppression advantages in that, you know, you experience a lot less hot steam. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we all know we, we open the nozzle and you get that steam back. Um, you don't get that when you're using uh, a proven concentrate because the water absorbs the heat energy so fast that it actually goes from a liquid to a gas and back to a liquid. And again, some uh, a lot deeper stuff than I want to get into. But, uh, you know, the things that it does, it cools the environment faster. For, for our agency, when I was chief, uh, it allowed us to use smaller lines faster. Um, you know, we still used an inch and three quarter for our primary attack line. But once we got the fire knocked down, we quickly pulled that line out typically went in with a one inch line because our water was much more efficient because it was, was treated. Right. We could use lower flows and be more precise. Um, you know, basically I, again, I'm, I'm a big analogy person. It was like going from using a machine gun and just spraying the area to becoming a sniper right. Right. Uh, and being a lot more precise. Good analogy. Um, you know, and, and who, who out there doesn't want to be a Navy seal you know, and be very precise with their bullets instead of just being an infantryman. No disrespect to the infantryman, but you know, it, it takes uh, a lot. It, it takes a lot of skill and talent, and and using uh, a, a concentrate and an effective concentrate gives any of us the ability to to be that sniper. Very the great true. thing about you know switching over and and using um, a proven concentrate for fire suppression is that you can use it with any nozzle. You know, and I always tell agencies, it doesn't require any change in what you're doing today other than just to put the concentrate in the water. We'll work on the other changes further down the road, um, but you will not make things worse by putting a concentrate, whatever concentrate you use, in your water. It will only make them better. You know, and I, and I tell people that. If you'll just get it in there, you'll see a difference. You know, it reduces the chance of flashover quicker because the fuels absorb and hold the solution. You get total extinguishment faster because 
uh, you know, it's, the water is absorbed by the fuels and that gives you less chance for fire extension. You know, how often have we been on, on fires when we walk around and we're just constantly chasing the fire? We hit it over here and then we move over here and then it's back over here. My experience when you use a proven concentrate and in, in use finished foam is you don't have that. Because right. once that area becomes soaked down, it's not going to burn. You know, we, we, we always tell people when, when they're using foam for fire attack that they want to condition the area and we want them to paint the area. We want them to cover the area with the foam solution. You know, start at the three to four foot level, because if you think about in the majority of rooms, the three to four foot level, especially in a residential environment, is where the majority of your fuels are. You know, cover everything in that three to four foot area, get those fuels absorbing the water so that they won't burn, uh, and then paint the other areas. If you're working in conjunction with a tick operator, and you guys are, I mean, you've got an awesome one-two punch because that tick operator can sit there and direct the stream. He can see exactly, or they can see exactly where the solution hasn't been because it's going to show hotter on the thermal imager than sure. it would if it hadn't been. You know, remember that if you're using a foam solution, just coat the area, just paint the area. You don't have to flood it. I, I don't know why, but the mentality in the fire service is, you know, flow, 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 flow. Uh, and we sit there and, you know, we're working an area that, uh, that's got a little bit of a hot spot, say, after the fire. And you just sit there and you flow on it just continuously. Well, majority of that water is not doing anything. It's just wasting away. So if you're using foam solution, you've got your tracer bullets in the bubbles. If you see those bubbles moving away from the area, stop flowing um, because you're just wasting it. It's, it's not staying there to do its job. So once the area is covered, then uh, give the solution time to do its job. Um, let it sit there and, and work. Um, when we start talking about overhaul, um, one thing that, that's interesting to note through our experience is if you'll lean your solution out, in other words, put less concentrate in it, it allows for deeper penetration. Uh, and we've experienced this on some, some stump pile fires that we've done in that if, if you're running your concentrate at 0.4%, the surfactants have such great absorbability of the water that it won't allow that water to penetrate deep because everything at the top uh, is absorbing the water. So we found that if you lean it out, run a lower percentage, it'll actually go deeper into the fuels before it's absorbed by those fuels. Let me ask uh, you we this. Already talked I'm to sorry, good. Go ahead. I was going to ask this question. I'm thinking about a, a smaller department uh, doesn't have a lot of uh, hydrants, so it's it uh, could be you know water is a can can be a significant problem with them. They'll they'll have tanker, you know tankers uh, service. But wouldn't this be a, a great tool for a community that a department that has some water problems because they'll actually be able to use less water and what they use will actually be more effective. Oh, absolutely. Um, the efficiency of your water, again, it, it's creating a much more efficient use of, of this limited resource because it, it allows your water to stay in place. You know, we had a commercial fire several years ago, and I've got all kinds of still pictures of it where it was a lightweight construction. It was approximately two to 3,000 square feet. I don't remember the exact square footage of it, but we had fire through the roof when we arrived. We never made entry into that building. Um, we hit it from the windows. We were using finished foam. We put the fire out. The roof was still intact except for the hole where it burnt through. 
Um, and the, the thing I remember about that fire is that no water we used came out of that building. Mm. And we, we used uh, two and a half and two inch and three quarters. Uh, so, I mean, we, we had some pretty good flows, but all that water stayed in the building. It was all absorbed by the carpet and all the fuels. The, 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 some of the roof had collapsed into Division One, and we didn't make entry, and we had only two small smoldering hot spots. Everything else was out. Mm. Great, um, great example. You know, so, so that, that, that sells you on it, when you, especially when you personally are involved in that and see the difference that it makes. Sure. You know, so talking about talking about saving water, you know, during overhaul, um, it reduces the amount of water damage because you use less water. You're more efficient with your water. Prevents rekindle, and we all know how we just hate rekindles um, <laughs> because you do get, you do get total extinguishment when you uh, when you keep your water in place and and put your fire out. It's great. I mean, so, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the information that you're providing makes so much sense to me as I sit here listening to it 35 years plus out of being out of the service but it makes so much sense to to me what you're what you're saying with the examples you're providing the information that to me if you're ordering a new apparatus then to me this is a no-brainer because again as the chief said yes yeah, sometimes you got to trim costs on an apparatus and oftentimes the foam system is what's cut up, cut out and can you use it manually yeah the chief has explained that you can't but when you think of the return on investment ROI basically is any, any discussion that has to deal with money today talks about the ROI, the return on the investment. And if you think just with the example that Chief Oak just gave of what that cost would be to add in that foam system, doesn't have to be the fanciest, doesn't have to be the cheapest, but you find one that you can deal with. Now, with knowing with the research, hopefully you've all done your research beyond this podcast, what would be the return on your investment after what you've heard for your department and your community to go ahead with keeping that foam system in the spec for the new apparatus? All right, you're not specking a new apparatus. The chief has also provided ways that you can still use the product to the best of your ability without the app the built into the apparatus. So why would you not take a second look and start doing your own due diligence and start thinking about using foam, the, the right type for your your issues, but using it in your community? Now that we know that we have foams that are safe. That will not hurt us or hurt the environment or hurt the people we're trying to protect. What could you tell me would be the reason why? Because now, Chief, I'll tell you the truth. I see this in the same way I look at sprinklers and the sprinkler debate. You know, I I love seeing on Twitter when Chief Billy or somebody else or NSFA puts out a tweet where the sprinklers knock down a fire in two minutes completely 
with less damage, less fire damage, less water damage, etc. And then you hear the building lobby say, oh no, they're too expensive and they're too ugly to put in. Look at your lawn sprinkler, for God's sakes. And imagine that going off on fire, a bedroom that catches on fire. What would tell you that you wouldn't want to have that to protect you and your family? I see the same thing with what you've you're presenting today, Chief. I can't think. Yeah, you know, for me, I, mean, I can't think of a valid. Me, I can't think ahead. of a valid excuse why I wouldn't want to use this. Well, I tell you, I mean, it's it's upsetting to me because uh, you know I feel the same way, and having the personal experiences I've had with it, I know the difference it makes. I mean, I I was thinking this morning before we came together, it, uh, you know, when I my my very first exposure to this was was in uh, the early 2000s, and after seeing it work, I, I immediately was like, oh my gosh, this is like up there with SCBAs in terms of what it can do for the fire service. And I started reaching out to anybody and everybody I could think of in the National Fire Service to get their support to try to help push what this could do for us, and was met with so much resistance that, and it was just so discouraging that so many in the fire service just were, you know, just put off by it and, right. and didn't want to embrace it. And, and I actually had a, a member of our department that stopped me one day in the hallway and he said, chief, he said, you know, I hate this foam stuff. And I said, well, why in the world? He said, what well, took away the reason that I came on the job? Cause I don't get to have big fires and I don't get to uh, crawl down the hallway now because we hit it from the window and we put the fire out and that's not what I came on the job for. And, uh, you know, and I'm just like, oh man, he's just, he's, he's missing it so much. Right. Um, you know, and, and it's so discouraging and disheartening for me when, when I hear the negativity and, and the people putting down using a proven concentrate and their lack of embracing it. And then on the flip side, you know, they talk about how we need to, to jump on the clean cab concepts and we need to do all this cancer prevention, but yet you won't put the fire out faster and more efficiently to stop a lot of the, uh, of that stuff. So I, I won't get up on my soapbox. Cause I mean, I mean, it's a, uh, it, it's a tough thing for me having had as many years experiencing the positive effects of, of using a proven concentrate uh, and the difference in terms of firefighter safety that it can make for your personnel. I, I don't blame you, but I'll move. If you'll move over, I'll jump on that soapbox with you because as an educator, You've given me the kind of information that I would push to my students, that I would want to convey to them and to, for them to convey to their communities of what we can do. And yes, there's no doubt that there's that excitement, the adrenaline rush when we get a call and it's a working fire. If, if you deny that, then you're a liar. Okay, that's, that's the truth. We love that adrenaline rush when that happens and we start the response. We jump on the rigs and we're going. But the fact is, the oath that we took is not to play with fire as long as we can. The oath that we took was to protect the lives and property of the, of the people in our communities. You having fun on the job is not part of that equation. We want you to do the job and we want you to like the job you're doing. But having fun on the job, trying to chase a fire or crawl down that hallway when you, there's no need to, that's not part of the equation. The equation is what can we do to do our jobs, 
to the best of our ability, safely, for everyone involved, with the least amount of damage. And if you don't want to live by that oath, then this is the wrong job. Go start racing cars or something like that. Because this, this, the concept of using foam, enhanced, enhanced water, today, makes, and again, I was naive, and I started this podcast, and I told the chief before we started, because I didn't know anything about it. Only what I've read in the trades here and there. But what I read does not even begin to compare with what Chief Oak has presented today. And knowing what he's presented, and knowing the research that he's done for it, and yes, I will follow it up, but I have no, not a single doubt in my mind that this is something that I would embrace if I was able to for my department. Because I need to protect my firefighters. That's number one. I got to protect the people and their property. Just because we've rescued somebody doesn't mean we can let the, the rest of their place burn so we can have some fun putting it out and do an overhaul. That's not what our job is about. Our job is serving these people. We are. They're servants. And nobody said it better than the person we lost two years ago this month, Chief Bruno, who taught us what our job was. Our job is not to go on a call to have fun, not to go on a call to brag. Our job is to take care of Mrs. Smith on her worst possible day, even if that worst day is her cat in a tree. And we do it with a smile. We take care of her, make sure she's okay, give her back her kitten, and we go on to the rest of our day. The job is not about us. It's about the people we serve. Ask yourself if you had a fire in your home with you and your family. What would you want? Would you want a bunch of firefighters coming around to have a good time? Put out the fire as they want to see fit? And when they're finished, your house is condemned? And where are you going to stay that night? Or would you rather have a fire department that comes in, a smart department comes in, that can knock down that fire more quickly, less water damage. And yeah, you might be out of your home for a short while, but it's repairable. And you can look forward to moving back into your home. I know my answer. I know the chief's answer. What would your answer be if you're a firefighter listening today? Chief, how do we wrap this up? Well, you know, it's hard to follow those words. And I mean, I hope everybody will, will take a few minutes and, and think about, you know, what was just said and, and let it soak in. Because, um, you know, th this whole foam journey for me started, my, my dad's retired out of Fairfax County, Virginia. Um, and he, back in early 2000s, uh, a neighboring department suffered a line of duty death. Uh, where the person went in the front door and, and fell into the basement and succumbed to their injuries. And I, I remember after that happened, my dad coming to me and he said, uh, he said, you know, he said, there's got to be a better way to do the job. 
He's like, you know, we've, we've been using water. We've been doing the same thing. He, he started in the late 60s, and he's like, since I came on the job, nothing's changed. There's got to be a better way. For whatever reason, and, and I can only attribute it to God, put it in his, his heart, he, he saw out to find a better way. Um, and, and, of course, being a good son, I followed behind him and, uh, you know, was fortunate to, to take this long journey with him and and i'm fortunate to have gotten to be the messenger to to get the word out but you know there's still so many agencies out there that will not embrace the better way to do the job uh and this truly is it i just want to wrap up and kind of summarize a few things hit a few high points of of our our time together and um you know first is remember that the viscosity is very important to the uh, performance of the system one of the, the things that I said, make sure you absolutely don't forget is that is do not mix the concentrates. Um, and, and I failed to share a little story with that. Um, make sure that you have your buckets that you're using easy to get to and the buckets you're not using or the, the different type of concentrate hard to get to. My experience has been that firefighters will not go out of their way to get something. So if, if you have more than one concentrate in the firehouse, Make sure the one that they need to get is the one that's easiest to get. The other thing is make sure and check the bucket to see what's in the bucket is the proper thing. We had a situation in our department, and I know we're an anomaly and nobody has ever done this in the fire service, but empty foam buckets make great storage buckets. They actually put some used motor oil in an empty foam bucket and, you know, one one person was doing a great job. They were cleaning up and they saw this stray bucket and they put it back there with the foam buckets. Um, oh no. <laughs> luckily I was the one that I luckily I was the one that caught it. You know, I'm like, man, this, and it was a bucket you couldn't see through. So, I mean, I, but I always made it a habit of, you know, when I took the cap off to look in the bucket, make sure it at least looks right. Right. <laughs> um, so I noticed, I noticed the black and I'm like, nah, this isn't right. Long story short though, you know, things happen, take a few minutes, pay attention um, you know, make sure that the concentrate you're getting is the concentrate that's in your tank so you don't contaminate uh, or put the wrong concentrate in. Um, make sure and obtain your performance data from multiple sources. Um, don't even listen to just me. Make sure you verify from multiple points. Uh, in today's times, make, it sh- make absolutely sure that you're aware of the environmental hazards of the concentrate that's being utilized. Make the manufacturer prove that they don't have PFOs and PFAs in their concentrate through independent testing data. Don't just let them tell you. Make sure they prove it. Make sure your concentrate's proven to work on the hazards that you're protecting. Uh, be familiar with the NFPA standards on Class A foam, Class B foam, uh, and wetting agents. Um, make sure that your manufacturer complies with NFPA 1901, especially Chapter 20. Um, Make sure that your system will handle the viscosity of your concentrate. Make sure your system will deliver the needed percentage of concentrate being utilized. Make sure your tank is large enough to support your desired flow. For the safety of your personnel, provide the ability to fill your system from the ground. Do your research. Again, I cannot reemphasize how important it is uh, to do your research. Remember that the water does the work. You know, we're just enhancing that water, but the water is what does the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and finally, remember that water that stays is water that works. So by enhancing your water, you're keeping your water in place, you're letting it do its job, and you're doing it more efficiently. So finally, I'll, I'll say that if, 
if anybody listens, listening today has any follow-up questions, they want to reach out to me for anything, um, feel free to give me an email at killtheflashover at yahoo.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook at Sean A. Oak, and the last name is O-K-E. Uh, so those are the two avenues that are great to reach out to me. I'll be glad to share any information I've got, any data I've got with you. You know, again, I've amassed all this information over the years. And even though I'm enjoying my days, um, you know, working in the bakery and, and putting smiles on people's faces with cookies, I've got all this information. I don't want to hoard it to myself. I do want to share it with anybody that uh, that I can help with it. So feel free to reach out to me if I can uh, can do anything. And Steve, I can't thank you enough for the opportunity to come together today to uh, to share this passion of mine. Uh, thank you for all your work and efforts that you're doing in the fire service to get word out to uh, to people and make us a, a better educated fire service. Uh, kudos to you, sir. Well, thank you very much, Chief. It's it's a pleasure and an honor to have you with us. Uh, once we came up with this topic, I knew it was going to be a great topic because we've never done it, and I've never heard it addressed on the other fire podcasts that I listen to and I follow. And now that you've presented it and I've, I've heard the presentation – I, I see so much of the value in it personally. So whatever I can do to help spread the word, I'm here. Just pick up the phone, send me a message, an email, whatever, and I'll do whatever I can to uh, continue sp- help helping to spread the message. Well, thank you very much. And uh, again, thanks to all your listeners. I know how valuable everybody's time is and uh, for them to take time to, uh, to listen to us today uh, means the world to me. And I, I greatly appreciate it. That's great. Well, thanks again, Chief. We really appreciate the time you've given to us. Folks, we'll be right back right after these words. Please stay tuned. Hey, I'm Joey Logano with Joe Gibbs Racing. The job of these firefighters is even tougher and more dangerous than mine. But we both rely on custom precision machinery to get us where we're going. And a small mistake, or a fraction of a second, can be the difference between life and death. Like these firefighters, my family expects me to come home from my job. I wouldn't think for a moment about getting in this bad boy without my seatbelts and other safety devices. I can't imagine anyone getting into one of these trucks without buckling up. And watch your speed so you can maintain control. If I don't cross the finish line, I don't win. And if you don't get to the scene, everybody loses. Does your company often invest in a booth for fire rescue conferences? Have you sat there watching attendees walk right by your booth and wonder what you could do to attract more traffic? We might have an answer for you. Now you can bring the Five Alarm Task Force podcast to your booth. We'll set up our system there and record sound bites and interviews with your guests and even a mini podcast with you to promote your products or services. Now in our fourth season, Five Alum Task Force has listeners in over 40 countries across six continents and has thousands of accesses each month. Check out our library of over 150 podcasts on our website at www.dalmatianproductions.tv. Best of all, this package is surprisingly very affordable. For more information, please send an email to dalmatprod at outlook.com we will get back to you as soon as possible. Again, that address is D-A-L-M as in Michael, A-T, P as in Peter, R-O-D, at Outlook.com. Five Alarm Task Force. We deliver news and issues for today's first responders. 
If you enjoy listening to Five Alarm Task Force, then why not share the news? No, not just on social media, but around town. We've just opened our little shop of wonders with our friends at Teespring. We have four t-shirts available, each with our four-color logo on the front, and on the back, your choice of a listener, supporter, or responder, wording, or choose the tea with the words of wisdom from our good friend, Chief Robert Fling, all available in varied colors. Prefer to add a new mug for your collection at the firehouse or at home? We have two, with the full title of the podcast in slightly different fonts, also in several colors. The best part? No matter which items you choose, you'll know that a portion of the net proceeds will be donated to the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation, just as I did with my book, Fish Out of Water, Two Jewish Guys in a Deep South Firehouse, available on Amazon. Want to browse? Want to buy? Just head over to bit.ly forward slash Dalmat Store with a capital D and a capital S, or dial up our website at www.dalmatianproductions.tv and select the podcast promo tab. As always, thank you for listening and stay safe. Did you know that 90% of American communities are served by volunteer fire departments and that many of those departments are actively looking for more volunteers? When you hear those sirens, do you say to yourself, wish I could do that? If you have the drive to serve, you can be a volunteer too. Volunteer and combo departments are always looking for new recruits. You'll be trained in the latest firefighting and rescue techniques and protecting your community at the same time. You'll be joining the ranks of over 1 million men and women who serve their cities and towns, protecting lives and property. Did you know that the founder of the first volunteer fire department was Benjamin Franklin? If old Ben can do it, so can you. Drop by your local fire department and introduce yourself. You just might know some of the folks already there. Before you know it, those volunteers will be like family. Anyone can be a volunteer, sure. It takes time and effort, but in your heart, you'll realize that it's all worth it. Want more information? Contact your local fire department or visit makemeafirefighter.org. And that wraps this episode of Five Alarm Task Force. We'd like to thank our guests, Chief Sean Oak, for joining us to discuss using enhanced water, proven concentrate, and fighting fires today. Did you know you can now find us and subscribe to us on all the top podcast platforms? Just search for Five Alarm Task Force. We also want to thank our sponsors, Insight Training LLC and the Firehouse Tribune, and our promotional partners, Dalmatian Productions, Chief Miller Products and Sites, LifeScan Wellness Centers, Nestor Bars, the Firefighter Cancer Foundation, the Firefighter Cancer Support Network, and the 2019 Great Florida Fire School. If you would like to be a guest with us or have a suggestion for a show, please drop us a line to dalmatprod at outlook.com. You can follow us on Twitter at dalmatprod or at cause underscore origin and on Facebook at forward slash dalmatprod or dalmatprodfire and stay up to date with all the news about our podcast, Dalmatian Productions and our blog on our website, www.dalmatianproductions.tv. I'm Steve Green. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, and let's make sure everyone goes home.